If you're anything like me, you enjoy a good glass of wine. But finding the right kind can be a hassle. Or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Simplified Wine makes buying good wine simple. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget, send you a curated list, and then wine straight to your door. It's just that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine, but the least expensive. All you do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE. That's 844-297-WINE. Or don't like phone calls, you can just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Same thing, just digital. Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. For the Motor City Maniac, the wit from the mitt, the Great Lakes Grandmaster, the Motown Madman, the Mittens Killer Kitten. We ran out of nicknames. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's morning, but you may be listening to this post-tape. We're on the interwebs at louderwithcrowder.com, and so it's not morning. But for Fun Dip and I, it's morning. We've got our, our Wham mugs. No, for Fun Dip and me, it's morning. That's true. For Fun Dip and me, it's morning. I'm the grammar guy around here. It's true. Although the last time you corrected my grammar, I went back and listened to the podcast. You corrected my grammar with that same uh, correction. And then you made a horrendous grammatical error. Oh, I don't doubt it. You said, uh, I have a friend of mine. Entirely I redundant. have a friend of mine. Yeah, that's totally redundant. So there we go. I wonder if it was in one of these AP scripts. These things are horrible. No, you were just talking I'm off just the cuff. Talking. It was oh, just your horrible fun dip brain. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I got to have more coffee. I have a friend of mine. Uh, good morning, people. Good morning, of course, Southeast Michigan, Detroit, Ann Arbor, all the way out to Lansing. And if you're listening on the internet, a lot of with Crowder fans. We have so much to get to today. Good morning to fans listening in Florida on the internet. I know we've got some folks out there that listen every day. Oh, really? Are this, these are your relatives? No, my best friend Jared. Oh, okay. Does he like the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, we have some listeners in Pittsburgh, Florida, uh, Iowa. So that's the crazy thing about the internet. And uh, I'm very blessed to have some fans, have an audience. And I'm, I'm so grateful that they get to tune in and listen. So much to get to today. Obviously, Obama's speech, President Obama, sorry, President Obama's speech on immigration. So we want to hear from you folks first you the listener you the individual person in your car or at your iphone right now uh 734-822-1600 734-822-1600 we're going to play some of barack obama's speech on immigration last night uh we're going to get into a lot of things we're going to get into the middle cosby and the fondling and the touching and the allegations but we're also going to talk about immigration First, and then actually have Dr. Julie Steiner on, um, psychologist, social worker who teaches. She's a member of faculty here in Michigan. We'll be talking about terrorism uh, and mental health and what actually seems to be the constant, because, of course, we had a tragedy earlier this week. And then 
You know who will be talking with Fun Dip? Um, who? Mama Crowder. Oh, very cool. French-Canadian Mama Crowder, because little-known fact, you know, I come from first-generation immigrants. My mom was an immigrant to the States, and my dad was an immigrant to Canada, where he had to get his green card, and he had to learn in Quebec French, the language, and she didn't speak English. So um, so how did they meet? Uh, Tinder. What the heck is Tinder? <laughs> oh, God. Never mind. It's an app today. No. They actually met through a lang- – well, well, we'll let my mom explain it to you, because it's a funny story, and with her accent – and uh, grammatical errors. Don't correct her grammar because it's oh, going no, to be no. riddled I, with I've it. given up on correcting the grammar of immigrants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she really does want to learn, though. Like, for her, she'll take away a plural where there needs to be a plural all the time, but add it where there will be. So if there's, you know, we're talking about mi- multiple microphones in the studio, she'll go, oh, give me uh, one of those, uh, one of the uh, microphone. But then she'll be like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to put in the shrimps. like mom how can just switch it just switch that part of your brain yeah yeah speaking of switching the part of the brain uh this president and immigration uh fundip do we have the speech up at all i have the uh i have the speech from last night up and i've got the uh the other stuff approaching yeah well let's just run the some of the speech from last night and uh, we can talk about that we'll get your calls on what you thought so here we go My fellow Americans, tonight I'd like to talk with you about immigration. For more than 200 years, our tradition of welcoming immigrants from around the world has given us a tremendous advantage over other nations. It's kept us youthful, dynamic, and entrepreneurial. It has shaped our character as a people with limitless possibilities. People not trapped by our past, but able to remake ourselves as we choose. But today, our immigration system is broken, and everybody knows it. Families who enter our country the right way and play by the rules watch others flout the rules. Business owners who offer their workers good wages and benefits see the competition exploit undocumented immigrants by paying them far less. All of us take offense to anyone who reaps the rewards of living in America without taking on the responsibilities of living in America. Except for the people for whom and they're undocumented voting Undocumented immigrants who desperately want to embrace those <laughs> responsibilities see little option but to remain in the shadows or risk their families being torn apart. Or, or, or don't break the law. That's another It's been option. this way for decades. It's always on the table. And for decades, we haven't done much about it. When I took office, I committed to fixing this broken immigration system. No, you didn't. And I began by doing what I could to secure our borders. No, you didn't. Today, we have more agents and technology deployed to secure our southern border than at any time in our history. We don't have a border. And over the past six years, illegal border That's crossings have been cut by more than half. Although this summer, there was a brief e- spike e- in Eliminating what is uh, considered illegal. The number of such right. children is now actually lower than it's been in nearly two years. Overall, the number of people trying to cross our border illegally is at its lowest level since the 1970s. That's just not true. Those are the facts. No. Meanwhile, not I a fact. with Congress I have on the a facts in front of me. Fix. That is not a fact. And last year, 68 Democrats, Republicans, and Independents came together to pass a bipartisan bill in the Senate. It wasn't perfect. It was a compromise. But it reflected common sense. It would have doubled the number of Border Patrol agents while giving undocumented immigrants a pathway to citizenship if they paid a fine, started paying their taxes, and went to the back of the line. We'll have to pay all the back taxes, and, and I don't think we can afford that. It would help grow our economy, 
and shrink I've got a deficits. bill from last year right now. Had the House of Representatives allowed that kind of bill, a simple yes or no vote, they would have passed with support from both parties. Do we have to keep listening today, to this guy? It would be the law. Well, I think people should know but for a year what and he a half said now, a little bit before we start rebutting leaders it. In the House no, true. have refused to allow that simple vote. Just makes my ears bleed. Now, I makes continue to believe bleed. that the best way to solve this problem is by working no, together to pass that kind of common sense law. It's seeping through my shirt. But until that happens, <laughs> there are actions I have the legal authority to take as president. Oh, here the same kinds of actions taken here comes by the Democratic big, and you. Republican presidents the before executive me order, screw that you. will help make our immigration system more fair and more just. There is nothing more Tonight, fair about I'm rewarding criminals. First, we'll build on our progress at the border with additional resources for our law enforcement personnel so that they can stem the flow of illegal crossings and speed the return of those who do cross Have over. the illegals and law enforcement Second, personnel br- I'll make it bring them for a beer summit to the White House. high-skilled immigrants, <laughs> graduates, and entrepreneurs well, you want, you want, to stay You want Blue Moon? You want Bud Light? You, you want Corona. So many business leaders Yeah, you want Corona. The bad flu light's the only one I can Third, handle. We'll talking about steps the, you stepped in the game. With the, the illegal immigrants want Corona. Immigrants or t- oh, yeah. <laughs> who already live in our country. It was racist. I want to say more about this third issue because it generates the most passion. Yeah, and okay, we can stop listening because the third issue is you suck. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the third issue. That's the that's the most pressing issue, wouldn't you say, with this president? Yeah. Well, yeah. He just he doesn't really like the American voters. He's got a lot of people duped. Well, what's so funny is if you listen to that language, he says it w- would have been common sense. And both parties could have voted on it. In other words, what he's saying is anyone who disagrees with me doesn't have common sense. Oh, yeah. That's how that's what I take away. from Yeah, it. He always tries to frame it in as though he's this centrist who's reaching across the aisle. Here's really what he was just saying. OK, what he's really saying with this uh, is that illegal immigrants are going to be given a fast track to green cards and citizenship, which is something that many uh, legal immigrants haven't been able to get for themselves yet. And, of course, these waivers will be given out generously. Um, And green cards, by the way, they confer access to almost all U.S. welfare benefits. This comes from Hot Air. I didn't realize this. Green cards confer almost all access to U.S. welfare benefits, ultimate citizenship, chain migration, and voting rights. Uh, This at the time when, of course, 58 million working-age Americans don't even have jobs. So fast-track to green cards, fast-track to access to... Uh, welfare systems in the United States to be able to take from the American taxpayer fast track for those people screwing the people who waited in the queue. He's saying this is entirely reasonable and anyone who opposes this is simply it's a common sense approach. His approach is just saying that's common sense. If you don't agree with just basically granting these people green cards and the citizenship, you're 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 unreasonable. You're not using common sense. And that's the problem I have with this kind of a dialogue. Because you can't have a discussion someone, with someone who has no common sense, right? One would think. If you're, if you're to say, hey, listen, I think immigration is a problem. I think we need to crack down you know, on the borders. I think we need to enforce the laws we have in the books. And I think that we need to actually, if anything, provide priority to people who've been going through this process legally. And your opponent says, I like crack cheese! You're going to go, oh, this, is, this conversation's going nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. There's no common sense. So... That's what he's trying to do in painting his opposition as, as those who, who hold no common sense. Let's go. We're going to take a break, get back here, and rebut a lot of what he said. We actually have some clips from Barack Obama himself contradicting what he just said. You don't want to miss this. Louder with Crowder here on Wham! 
after the break. You're listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham Talk 1600. Listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham Talk 1600. We are back talking, of course. <clears throat> Sorry, the cough button doesn't work in this studio right now. I have to hit the off button and then hit the on button, and that would just be far too much work. <laughs> we just can't. I can't be bothered to hit two buttons. Yeah, just go back and forth. Like- I can't go back and forth. Go back and forth like Barack Obama on immigration. Yeah. Uh, if you could bring up that clip, that'd be great. But we actually have what's funny is Barack Obama really right now wants to give a green card fast lane for illegal immigrants. Um, here's something that's pretty crazy. A lot of people don't realize this. Barack Obama, in his own book, in, uh, in is it Dreams of My Father? Dreams for my father? I'm trying to remember the name of the book. I want to make sure I get that I think correct. it's Dreams from my father. Dreams from my father. Dreams from the father who you met once in your life, who abandoned you, who played no father figure, who you should reprimand and not try and use for political football. That father, when you stayed with your mother, and I believe, what wasn't it his, his white grandmother that he stayed with? Not, not father, a, a, a sperm donor, not an actual father, yet you try and use him. And, and stand on his shoulders politically. Dreams of my father. You didn't know your father. Your father seemingly was kind of a dirtbag because he left you. You can justify it however you want. So anyways, that book. No, actually, you know what? I don't think it's from that book. It's from The Audacity of Hope. It's from The Audacity of Hope. So with this one, uh, it's, it's pretty shocking. He actually said, flashback here, that illegal immigrants hurt blue-collar workers. Barack Obama said that. So this is when he did the audacity of hope. This is before he was making every decision really for political expediency as opposed to what's right or what's wrong. And he said that illegal immigration will hurt blue-collar workers. That's how he felt. That's what he believed. And that's what most Americans believe. I mean, most Americans believe not only will it hurt blue-collar workers, but also, of, of, of course, that, uh, that it's not good for the economy. That you can't have an economy that's entirely dependent upon people who aren't here legally. And I don't think the economy, I don't buy into that myth. I don't think the economy is entirely dependent on, on illegal immigrants. You always have these people saying, well, they're going to they're gonna do the jobs that Americans won't do. They do the jobs that Americans won't do. It's not true. It's not true. You want to tell me that there's there are no Americans who are willing to... Uh, do these jobs me, me, you know, me, could be seen as menial tasks or manual labor? And okay, everyone's going to say now it's, it's racist for me to point these out, but things like housekeeping, generally people who might be immigrants. Here where I'm staying at the region, Ann Arbor, um, they're Americans. They're, they're English. They speak the language. They work those jobs. A- any job. You tell me any job, you will find an American who will do it. Whether it's a janitor, whether it's cleaning out trash, cleaning toilets, whether it's, it's taking dirty laundry from hotel rooms, there are no jobs that Americans just won't do. Now, there are some Americans 
who won't do jobs. There are some Americans who, who, who won't do any jobs. There are many Americans who would rather not work. And uh, there are many non-Americans who live in America who would rather not work. If we can't bring that clip, we can't bring that clip up, Fun Dip. I have just about got it. I, I kept hitting refresh on that whilst I was getting the other stuff up and uh, should be able to have it up in a second. Okay. Well, let me know already because that clip I want to run and then I want to run a clip after from CNN, uh, I believe yesterday, from an illegal immigrant uh, in response, or I should say it was before the speech, so the sentimental response to Barack Obama's policy. But let's first listen to his, uh, his hypocritical statement from reading Audacity of Hope a few years ago. There's no denying that many blacks share the same anxieties as many whites about the wave of illegal immigration flooding our southern border. You can't say blacks The number of immigrants added to the labor force every year is of a magnitude can't not seen or in this country racist. for over a century. If this huge influx of mostly low-skill workers provides some benefits to the economy as a whole, it also threatens to depress <laughs> further the wages of blue-collar Americans and puts strains on an already overburdened safety net. There you go. Right there, Man. from his mouth. Come on, everyone else is going to be doing this and running this. We did it first, Fun Dip. We did it at 625 Eastern. Exactly. We did it at 625 Eastern. He, he couldn't be saying something. It's like today's opposite day with a four-year-old. You know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you. I'm just kidding. It's opposite day. I'm going to wear my pants backwards to school. Right, and then get swirlied. Look like crisscross wearing everything backwards. Crisscross will make you jump, <laughs> jump. Daddy Mac will make you jump, jump. See, the funny thing is, I know that's probably your most recent reference with, with music. As far as people wearing things backwards? As far as music. For you, that's new. No, no. My most recent uh, reference would be like Lily Allen or Adele. She's a doll. Oh, they're both cool. I love them both. All right. So, Barack Obama, we have now established that what he is saying now is, is not common sense because because you're you're not a common sense American if you believe in the legal process and immigration. If you're just out you're just out of your mind. Are you out of your tree, sir? So, let's also see the reaction from someone who might be an illegal immigrant. Do you think that this kind of language saying that hey, it's not common sense to want a legal process to respect the legal process? How do you think that influences people who might want to I don't know, jump the border, cross the river, and just come here, uh, fund up, roll that clip. Well, Aaron, there's growing concern among some people who live in the Rio Grande Valley that tonight's announcement may encourage even more people to try to cross the river behind me. This is the same area where thousands of unaccompanied minors crossed into the U.S. earlier this year. Now, we talked to a Catholic charities group that has been dealing with minors. many of these new arrivals, and adults. they say they have noticed <laughs> an uptick in the past two weeks. They also say they believe this may be seasonal, but talk about immigration reform could also be a factor. We went to a bus station where we saw dozens of women and children who had recently arrived from Central America waiting in line for a bus ticket to take them to their next destination. Listen to what one woman told us. There you go. Did the possibility of immigration reform inspire you to come now? Yes, that's right. That inspired us. Ahora. Now? Sí. Yes, now. Ahora. 
Now, there most migrants go. we talked to at that bus All station right. did tell us that they did not there know about the possible immigration. Now, does that mean, is that, a, is that a Pew Research poll? No, it's not. Based on the picture of all the dirty shoes that they showed, it might have been. Oh, God. That's not acceptable. That's unacceptable, Fun Dip. <laughs> the point is, yeah, this is how people feel. This is what they think. This is an potential illegal... My mouth is this coffee. It's drying my mouth. This is a potential illegal immigrant saying, yeah, President Obama has emboldened me to break the law. I feel safer now breaking the law. Do we just run? Does that mean we're going to have to go out to break soon? Oh, yeah. That, I had the no break idea we were even close. We were having so much fun, I didn't see the time. Anyway, this is an issue, and we'll have my mom on at the end of this show because she's an immigrant. She did this legally. And you know what? She has really strong opinions on people who don't sign the guest book. Louder with Crowder. We'll be back with Hip Hughes. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. We are happy here in the studio. We're dancing. We're happy people, except my headphones are not happy. Well, those headphones have been here since, I think, the Reagan administration. Since the Reagan administration. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can hear they our They were next... happy then. Right. They were happy. I was happy then. Happy just like the illegal immigrants who were happy on CNN. I'm going to come to America. You, you think you'd come now? See? You think you'd come illegally now? See? Nothing's illegal anymore. Well, that's the whole thing what's so funny, even like, you know, ending the war on drugs, which I understand the arguments for. And I think that if states want to legalize pot, they should be able to legalize pot. I personally don't like pot. I don't smoke pot. Have you tried it? I've never touched it. Then how do you know you don't like it? Well, I, mean, I don't I don't like what it does. I think it's corrosive to a culture being from Montreal where it was entirely legalized. I'm telling you what, I would rather listen to a guitarist that smokes weed any day right. of the Let's week. Let's just solve our, our issues in the United States based on what Dan's personal musical preferences are. Not even personal musical preferences, but who he'd like to see on a live show <laughs> with what kind of chemical enhancements. <laughs> if Dan were a sports fan, he'd be like, should we allow steroids? I want them on DECA, Stansroll, because I think those give them the nicest veins and the best glow. Yeah, <laughs> that ought to work. All right. Hold on. What, 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 is, what is it about pot that you think makes a guitarist so much better? I think it brings their creativity out. I think it makes them inspired. And I've seen uh, musicians on other drugs as well. I've been to a lot of concerts in my life. And uh, that and uh, that and I think Amp. I went to a concert where the uh, sponsor was Amp. 
energy drinks. They all were right. all amped up. That's that's enough. I was really only saying it because I was trying to fix my headphones. I needed to buy I, some I just time. kept talking until you I just saw kept your talking headphones until he saw me. All right, we have our next guest is a, a very fine gentleman. He is a teacher and a very popular YouTuber. Now, let me preface this, folks. I, I don't want to label him, but he is what you would call, or I would say, I'll say this, he leans more to the left than I do. Uh, I would say liberal. Everybody does. Maybe, yeah, well, no, not necessarily. Sometimes I'm so far to the right, I'm left, but he seems like a really decent guy, and we actually want to have a discussion of ideas here on Louder with Crowder, so I'm glad to have him on. Mr. Hip Hughes, thank you for being on with us, sir. I'm really glad to be here. It's nice to talk to you guys. Good well, morning. good. We're glad to have you. Fun Dip is uh, Fun Dip's never happy to talk with anyone. So, I mean, if you were Karen Gillan from Doctor Who, I'd be excited to talk to you. I don't. I can't do that for you, buddy. Uh, I know, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Hip, so you have a YouTube channel that's you know obviously popular, and we've gone back and forth. And uh, let's be fair, you've talked some trash to me on Twitter, but that's okay. It's okay. I can handle it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um. But there is uh, there are a couple of places that we find common ground. Firstly, you you like dogs, correct? I do. I I um, am a big uh, dog type of person. Yeah. yeah, me too. And I have a, now. Do you have a dog yourself? Yeah, we have two um, American mutts. Okay, rescues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have we have one too. Um, big uh, doggo Argentino came to us with Lyme, broken leg, and alopecia. So see, I'm not I'm not all evil right wing. But another thing, which is pretty interesting, because. How would you, I mean, you don't like labels, and I can understand that, but just to make it more of a brief description for the audience, would you say that you're progressive, lean to the left, liberal? What would you say is fair? I, I, I don't mind the term progressive. I like the term progressive. Okay. Well, it's your, your walking car infomercial, your walking car insurance infomercial. Uh, you actually, though, have worked as a teacher, and you are... Not a big fan of Common Core. Now, I don't know necessarily that our reasons would be the same, so I'm interested to hear why someone from a more leftist or progressive perspective, what is it that you don't support or or you have a problem with with Common Core? Um, And again, it's hard to do it with the labels, but definitely as a teacher, like coming as a professional, um, it definitely felt as, um, to me, like a kind of like a mechanical or like a bureaucratic system of ideas that was kind of being forced down upon us. Um, So uh, I... I, I, I think I'm a very creative teacher, so I felt as though, at least in the district that I worked in, that the way it was being implemented was, uh, was rather like a straitjacket than anything else. <laughs> straitjacket. He's like a Alice Cooper, circa 82, stuck here on the inside, sitting there on the cover, <laughs> screaming to get out. He's going to strangle a nurse. Or quiet, Something right? like that. Yeah. that. That's what it felt like. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what it felt like. Well, you know what? It's funny, Hip, because we kind of talked about this, and you said our reasoning might not be the same. Um even as someone who is not a teacher, my reasoning is pretty much tracking with yours, with Common Core. I think a lot of conservatives, you know, they would phrase it differently. They think it's, it's, it's an overreach, it's a federal power grab in an area which is inappropriate because we believe that states would better know how to serve their communities and local schools than the federal government. Yeah, and I can I can understand the political argument, like a Tenth Amendment, you know, kind of kind of concept. Um, to me, um, the political ideal really, you know, isn't something that I feel inside the school because I've seen ideas come and go from the local level, the state level, and the federal level, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. Uh, this one just is is uh, quite quite bad and creepy. Well, let me ask you this: Have you uh, seen anything firsthand, like some experiences where Common Core 
have maybe brought well, well what, what i have seen is i've seen the modules uh modules are basically like packaged lessons that the state develops um i think in hand in hand with a lot of for-profit companies sometimes um to implement the common core so there are districts out there that do it without modules and um, i've heard that that's a, at least a little bit more freeing the teachers have a little bit more control at the end of the day i'm not against everything that's in the common core i'm right. just against the idea of um of someone coming in and basically telling me how to teach. So when the modules came out, and uh, sometimes it's called scripted learning or uh, packaged learning, uh, that became very, very difficult as a professional to, uh, you know, to bite. Well, then let's say from a conservative perspective, right, what you just said could be a problem. Some conservatives would say, well, actually, well, I don't support Common Core standardization across teaching because teachers tend to be so liberal and, uh, you know, their fear is obviously that that will indoctrinate sure. people generationally. I can see an argument to say, you know what, there needs to be a standardized course for history where one doesn't inject their personal opinion. I'm not saying that's what Common Core does, but you can see how maybe the spirit of that can start from a place that means to do good and then veers off course. Sure, but I think the big difference is, is that when you're talking about history, you're talking about curriculum. And Common Core really isn't curriculum in terms of content. It's not really like right. a a set of facts, but it's, it's, methodology. it's a set of skills, and I think that's where the, the uh, difference comes in. Right. No, you're right. Yeah, the methodology. And you know, it's funny. I went to school in Canada, in public schools in Canada, and we were doing advanced trigonometry in the ninth grade, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how to do long division right now. I, I can't remember it. Yeah, last... me either. No, that's not going to work out for I me. Know, the last time I did it was the fourth grade. Fun dip's grabbing his head like something's gone horribly wrong. You could uh, use you could use photo uh, math now. You could like take a picture of the stupid problem, and the app will will tell you the right. answer. That's so the question that I have about Common Core: is why is the math so goofy? Yeah, you're asking the wrong guy on that. End. <laughs> I, could t- I could talk a little bit about the ELA, like the literature type of stuff, and really the emphasis on what's called nonfiction text now and text-based answers. And it gets really mechanical and really skill-based. And I think the same thing with the math. Maybe it's just at the end of the day you have some eggheads in some ivory tower that are thinking of better ways to come up with uh, answers to problems that common sense can, can take care of. It's, right. it's even harder than regular math. I look at it, and it makes no sense It's not practical, whatsoever. right? It's not pragmatic, and that's where someone like me, you know, people say conservatives are anti-intellectual. No, but I am anti-pseudo-intellectualism, okay? And creating these math problems that have no basis in reality, that are not practical for someone to go on and learn, and I don't necessarily yeah. know that it applies to literature, Hip. You, you'll be able to correct us on that. Sure. You're now removing real-life skills from people. I, I've never understood, you know, for example, why someone who goes to a trade school who learns to become a mechanic and is brilliant and makes hundreds of thousands of dollars should be looked down upon as dumber as opposed to someone who gets a doctorate in philosophy where all they can do is teach philosophy. We tell people certain skill sets are entirely valueless. Hey, no, I, I'm totally with you. I work at a, I worked for 15 years in a vocational high school, so we had right. you know like a carpentry wing and a and you know a carpentry uh, a plumbing wing and all that sort of stuff. So those types of kids, um, you know, they need they need to be engaged when they're in school. And I think that sometimes right. uh, the one of the key words they use in Common Core is the word rigor. That students need more rigor. Rigor. Which is a terrible, terrible word. It really, you know, makes me think of dead things. Makes yeah. me think of Bill Cosby. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I think that turns off a lot of kids. And if you turn off a kid to, to engagement, uh, you're going to turn them off to a lot of other things, um, you know, reasons to come to school. No, I think you're right. You're basically t- – listen, I hated school. I hated school so yeah, much school as sucks. a kid. Yeah, yeah it school, does. No one really likes school. And um, 
We talk about this. There's actually, you know, I know you wouldn't uh, agree with the author. There's a a Christian book called Wild at Heart. But they do make a very interesting point. It talks more so about the male psyche. And if you actually look at it, Hip, women would, you know, we say, well, women do better in school. Girls do do better in school. They don't do better on SATs. They actually do more poorly on the SATs compared to men. Not a huge margin, but compared to the margin in which, you know, girls are getting A's and B's in grade school and high school and the guys aren't, it's a noticeable shift all of a sudden to the SATs in college where guys are able to learn in a way that is, you know, fundamentally, it's, it's, it's not foreign to them. And if you look at it, girls tend to do well in a classroom setting, sitting, watching, taking notes. They're verbal. They communicate that way. Young boys particularly. I mean, I think you have, you have children hip, right? Well, I have two daughters. Okay, two you teenagers. have two daughters. Well, you'll see. Even if once they start bringing boys home, sorry, you know, oh, you I've can got do whatever sons. you need to do. Uh, you can take them I'm out. Not rooting for lesbian. Is <laughs> um, <laughs> they do better hands on. They do better working with things, learning with their hands. And rather than change the way we do male education, we've gone through this phase of simply trying to change males and put them in a system. Yeah, to I know. I, I have a hard time biting into that gender apple, man, because, you know, I've taught for a long time and, you know, I'm sure that you can, you can, you can come up with stereotypes, but at the end of the day, all kids want to be engaged. They, you know, boys and stereotypes girls, they want to be moving and around are fundamentally and, different. and doing things that are important in school. But look at, and, look at, uh, I would have to disagree with that. It's not a gender apple. It's not yeah. a gender apple. It's look at boys and girls in the schoolyard. Look at the activities they choose to do in their free time. You're right. Every kid wants to be engaged. I completely agree with you, Hip. But the, the style happening. of engagement is very different. Yeah. There's a reason that the, the most coveted spot is the quarterback on the football team for most boys or being in a rock band, and it's not the same with girls. They have different activities. It doesn't mean that I'm discriminating or creating some gender stereotype. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, statistically, it's a great book. Men learn differently from women. Uh, boys tend to learn in a different way from girls. And a, a sitting in a classroom setting, reading a chalkboard, listening to a teacher, taking notes is, generally speaking, and yeah, I'm speaking in general, is not the way that a young boy would learn most efficiently or not the most effective way to engage someone. And you know how to engage a little bit better. I mean, I've seen your videos on YouTube. So you're obviously tracking your analytics and learning how to engage people. Um, I think a quick look at your YouTube demographics, your analytics would probably show you what kind of people really are drawn to your content? Well, what is your audience like? Is it is it split across the board on YouTube, male, female, it, it, all ages? I think it's hard to tell, too, because uh, where my videos are being watched, I think a lot of times that they're being watched in school, so the person pressing the button, and my demographics uh, show this, are you know a lot of times you know mid-20 males. So I'm thinking teachers are pressing the buttons. Yeah, teachers are press, pressing the buttons, and hopefully not pressing the buttons of any students, because that is a problem here in the United States. A lot of female teachers taking advantage of the boys, but we will get back That's here not- taking advantage oh stop it fun that's hashtag creepy guys you stop it (laughs) you stop this right now this is a nice man fun dip uh we will be back thank you hip hughes we'll bring you back after the break and uh, discuss a couple more things louder with crowder stay tuned you're listening to louder with crowder on wham talk 1600 Gowan. I just love the bumper music. And one of the best things is I'll be playing that entire song 
on uh, this weekend's London Calling. Saturday night at midnight, two hours. This is going to be in the second hour. This is a nice man, Fun Dip. Stop plugging your show. We have oh, a nice man on the line. This, uh, it's gr- I love the song, though. I was so excited when I found out that the Canadian bumper music you wanted featured a guy from Scotland. From Scotland. It's and kind Scotland's, of a roundabout way. And Scotland stayed a part of the UK. So it That, get, that it, happens a lot. We get a lot of bands that are big in Canada first. Funnily enough, this next gentleman, well, who's back from the break, but for people tuning in now at LottawaWithCrowder.com or Wham Radio, sounds Canadian. I assumed that he was Canadian for a long time watching his videos, but he's not, right? Hip, Hip Hughes is back with us. You're from Buffalo, right, Hip? Yeah, I'm from New York State. I uh, moved to Buffalo about 20 years ago, but uh, I definitely have a have an out when I talk. So I think that I think that might be the Canadian thing coming in. You know what's weird about Buffalo? Some people come from Buffalo, hip, and they have an accent where they almost sound Chicago, like a very severe yeah, Midwestern yeah. accent. And it, it, and then you have some people who sound Canadian like you, and they're entirely different. I wonder. I wonder what the history would be there, because in certain parts, like even in Canada, you have Acadian heritage, and you have areas that are more English, so the accent can vary. But Buffalo, I don't know. Do you have any insight on that, or am I just am I just grasping at straws here? I have absolutely no idea. But I, <laughs> I definitely have an out, and I and I, I didn't come to Buffalo with an out, but but it developed over the years, and uh, and now it's here with me to stay. Okay, so hip. So here's the deal. I, I, we talked about this before, and I never want to sucker punch and bring anyone on uh, just to try and catch them or play gotcha. You've done a lot of, of videos, and I've done plenty of videos, and there are plenty of things that we could always pick apart and say, well, this wasn't entirely right because it's a three-minute video or a five-minute video. But I want to express something here. You know this, that a lot of conservatives or who you would call right-wingers or whatever you want to call them are very concerned with the idea that statistically a vast majority of professors and teachers are liberal. And just like I believe with journalism, there's no way to completely avoid injecting your personal viewpoint when you're pontificating, whether that's on the news. I mean, we see it with Fox News, we see it with MSNBC, we even see it with CNN, of course, Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather. A lot of people who we just thought were straight journalists were obviously you know, injecting their opinion. I don't fault them for it. My problem is when they're not straightforward about it. So would you say that it is at all a legitimate concern from the right? Uh, that there could be some generational indoctrination due to how left most educational establishments lean. Um, coming from the high school perspective, you know, um, secondary level, uh, I can understand where that comes from. Absolutely, and if I'm sure, if you look at statistics and polls, it'll tell you that most teachers are probably going to be, you know, leaning more to the left in the Democratic camp of things. Right. But at the end of the day, man, you know, when you're when you're teaching, uh, you don't really have a lot of time to indoctrinate. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Right. So I don't I don't know how many people um, really are doing that. I think at the end of the day, at least at least from my standpoint. Um, being a professional is number one, and walking the line. I always try to, you know, okay. come across as Johnny Cash in the classroom. But <laughs> but I think that for most most teachers, there's just not a lot of time to do that. Well, you there's know what's a funny? Lot of, you say... a lot of testing and a lot of a lot of uh, hoops that we're jumping through. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that um, you know. Uh, this kind of conspiracy is... Uh, is well, no, 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 no. I didn't say conspiracy. You're saying... No, no, conspiracy. I know, I know. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. You said Johnny Cash. Actually, Fun Dip was going, I know this guy. I'm sure you get this all the time. He thought you were Greg Proops. <laughs> I've gotten that before. Yeah, you've gotten that before. Okay. Well, here's an example, Hip. And I don't say this to catch you. I say this because you may not know it, but sometimes you do do it. And it's not 
necessarily even by omission. I don't think you're factually inaccurate on anything. So let me say that. I sure. know I'll get you this video and your audience can watch this. I really do like Hip, and I think he's accurate on most history. But even the pacing and covering some history. So I just want to give you an example of one topic that you've covered versus someone who's a conservative who covered the exact same topic, delivering the exact same information to see if we can agree that, okay, may maybe in a way, in a roundabout way, someone injects their own opinion. So fun to roll that clip yeah. really quickly. Guys, welcome to Hip Hughes History. We're going down the rabbit hole, baby. That's right. We're going to take a look Run at, it at the time code I sent you, Fun Dip. It didn't queue up to that. Let's see if we can do that here. Oh, fun Dip, you're a nightmare. It's modern technology. Give me a reel-to-reel. -reel. <laughs> Hip, we're sorry. Hey, no sweat. We'll I get it figured your out. apology, man. That's not necessary. Fun Dip, fun dip this is a nice man. I see where you got it here. Okay. okay. This yeah. Be just, and then we have to we have to go to a break relatively soon. So I want to get this in here before Hip leaves, so we can give him a good send off and a nice plug. Are you you, you good to go? Just about there. Okay. Well, this one actually is is uh, your. Here we go. We got it. Of the Israeli Arab conflict. Fund it. Run sure. run the clip. First war, the Arab Israeli war, and this is a combination of countries: Egypt and Syria, Jordan and Iraq, that are going to declare war on Israel. They don't want to put up with it. Um, and they believe that they have kind of, you know, the argument of self-determination, which is in the United Nations Charter, that the people of this land should decide, and outsiders have given this land to people who haven't been here for 2,000 years. Oh, so no, no, they're no. going to attack Israel, Israel's going to attack back, and Israel's going to mad win. And every time that I mention a war, you'll watch the border here. Okay, so that's your clip. Now, none of that is inaccurate, but I would like to then roll Fundip uh, Dennis Prager uh, professor who taught that same conflict in a bit of a different way. Do you have that clip up? I've got that one just about here. You said to cue that one up to about a minute in, so make about it a minute, uh, minute ten, I think. Yeah, that looks good here. Yeah, minute we ten. accepted it. When British rule ended on May 15, 1948, the armies of all the neighboring Arab states, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Transjordan, and Egypt, attacked the one-day-old state of Israel in order to destroy it. But to the world's surprise, the little Jewish state survived. Then it happened again. In 1967, the dictator of Egypt, Gamal Abdel Nasser, announced his plan, in his words, to destroy Israel. Okay, so here's my point, Hip, and you can disagree with me. Sure. If yep. I'm a student in your class, I go, Israel, those guys are jerks. They just gained all that land in those wars. If you don't really spend as much time on the context of the war that all of these people, by the way, didn't just want to eliminate Israel, but wipe Jews off the face of the map. We still see that going on, as opposed to saying these borders expanded in a defensive war and then were consistently scaled back. Nothing you said was inaccurate. I certainly am not questioning your honesty. No, no, no. But but what I would say is that I preface you know, what, I, what I said by saying they believed. And I think in a lot of videos I do that. I... Uh, I'm not giving a factual, you know, shout out to the Palestinian, I mean, to the, you know, the Arab countries for why they did it. But they did believe that, you know, Israel was illegitimate and that's why they were doing it. Right. Um, you know, concretely, though, I think in other parts of the video, I talk about anti-Semitism and, um, and, and that Arab need to wipe out We've got 10 seconds. You, you do. So, but my example is, yeah. I mean, listen. You're basically talking about Nazism. You're basically talking about purification only by another name. And I just think some, I'm just trying to point out that context and how something is told. We'll bring you on after the break can change the story.
You crunch for time looking for that perfect Christmas gift. Listen, nobody needs pajama grams or socks. Send them a gift they'd actually like. A nice bottle of wine would be nice, but sometimes that's complicated. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a sommelier will take your information, budget, and they will deliver stellar, beautifully packaged wine right to their door. I took care of all my relatives, friends, business associates with just one phone call. Really, it is that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to send a great gift but the least expensive all you need to do is call simplified wine at 844-297-WINE and they take care of the rest don't like phone calls just go to simplifiedwine.com and hit the simplify button call simplified wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to their door guaranteed what could possibly be simpler call simplified wine today 844-297-WINE For the Motor City Maniac, the wit from the mitt, the Great Lakes Grandmaster, the Motown Madman, the Mittens Killer Kitten. We ran out of nicknames. You're listening to Louder with Crowder. We are back, and I want to take our guest, who is uh, so kind to have stayed along with us. I didn't want to slam dunk him and not give him his plugs, but uh, Hip, thanks for coming back. We were talking about the comparing of, of your sort of Arab-Palestinian conflict, uh, sorry, Arab-Israeli conflict versus that of Dennis Prager. And, sure. And my point is that sometimes even just with pacing, with certain things that you'll, you'll address, you know, really focusing on, for example, if you look at World War II, if you have one professor who says the Nazis wanted to exterminate the Jews and they started killing millions of Jews and they were gassing them and they were turning them into soap and lampshades and then the Americans came in and you go, oh, wow, okay, good, they came in and saved. Or you could have someone teaching it in a German classroom saying, you know, Hitler kind of tried to save the economy and they did, they did some bad things to the Jews, but then the Americans came in and dropped a nuclear bomb, all of which are factual, but even just the pacing in which you addressed uh, you, not you personally, but someone can sure. address the contextual history, surely you can agree that that can change all of your students' perception of historical events. Absolutely, and that's why you know, teaching is definitely a nuanced art. And I think, uh, you know, like we said, walking the line like that Johnny Cash concept is something that um, good teachers know how to do. Right, yes. And I think you do it mostly well. I just saw a couple of sure. examples where I'm saying, you know, sometimes you'll toss things in. For example... And you, I mean, this is not an indictment on you, but you'll say, you know, Obama protects religious freedoms. Well, we can't say that as a basis as fact when you look at the Affordable Care Act and forcing people to pay for birth control or then, you know, the Catholic Church getting in trouble. You would have people who would say, you can't teach that as a fact or that conservatives are against the Ten Amendment, uh, Tenth Amendment you've talked about. And I know you mean only in certain areas and not other areas, and you're relatively consistent, but those are, those are jumping off points where you even have people who say, well, that, that's not a fact. Um, and, and that's just, I think, to give you the point of view of conservatives, they definitely have concern with education, either in high school or higher education, that uh, you're going to see a lot of kids coming out with one point of view because, as you said, it tends to be homogenized among teachers. Well, I would think, I, I think that those, those, uh, those fears are legitimate, but I think that they've been over-exaggerated. It's, uh, that's reasonable. 
yeah, I, I, I'd leave it at that. I'll just say that it's hard to be neutral on a moving train, but we do the best we can. No, you know what? That's a that's a great point. And you know what, Hip, especially if they, people follow you on Twitter, uh, at Hip Hughes or at YouTube. Is it just YouTube.com slash Hip Hughes? Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, you know, Hip is very straightforward, like he said, about himself, how he's progressive, but he does try and provide both sides. But like he said, you know, my deal is I don't care if you're right, I don't care if you're left, just be honest about it, don't lie to me. And Hip, you certainly do not do that. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show. Hope you have you back. Yeah, super duper. I had a good time talking to you guys. All right, God bless. And we now are, well, we're not going to be going into a break, but we have so much to talk about. He was a nice gentleman. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Very cool. He was a nice guy. He's a smart guy, too. That's one thing I really hate it when conservatives just say, you know, our liberals are stupid. No, he's not stupid. You know, liberals aren't necessarily stupid. I just believe that they're misguided on certain issues. And, I, and, and HIP is actually can go both ways, depending on the issue. I would certainly l- call him a progressive. Um, when he said about when he made that comment about the gender apple, like, listen, I'm not making any comment about about gender when I say that boys tend to be more uh, aggressive or active or learn in a little bit of a different way than girls. I'm not trying to push any anti-transgender agenda there or anything like that. No, no. When I'm trying when I'm trying to push the anti-transgender agenda is when uh, uh, we talked about the restrooms and got, that got heated. Yeah, you got to watch out for that. I mean, I think that where people. Where their destination is, is uh, as far as gender, is who they are. It's, I don't let's know. Just, if... Let's just get into Bill Cosby rape. <laughs> let's just talk about yeah. this. Have you seen these allegations coming out about Bill Cosby? There's a lot of stuff going down as far as Bill Cosby that just surprises me because, I don't know, it just it doesn't strike me as the man we're familiar with. Right. Now, that's not to say that that hasn't happened I think before. there's definitely some dirty old man shenanigans there. I mean, he did have an affair. He did cheat on his wife. We know that. And that Dr. Huxtable wouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, true. So we can't obviously apply what we see in the sitcoms to real life. But you have so many allegations coming out now, and all at the same time, and it ended his new, uh, his new development deal. I don't know if you saw with um, it's either ABC or NBC. Yeah, they were working on having another sitcom. They were working on having another sitcom, and the deal was ended. So it seems kind of convenient that these people come out all of whom come out many, many years later who have not pressed charges and accuse this guy of a crime when they know, I mean, it's something that's easy to jump on. The media will run yeah. anything. You could say Bill Cosby touched you and you'd be on national news. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I wonder if I could make a million. You, you, could, make a, you could make a cool million. You're just, yeah. just going to have to have Bill Cosby come down with the touching of the fun dip. And I'm going to dip it in your fun dip. We're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. So, but one of the things that really confused me was they said that Lou Ferrigno's wife is one of the people who says that Cosby inappropriately touched her. Who in their right mind would hit on or do anything to Lou Ferrigno's wife? That's the Incredible Hulk. You don't mess with the Incredible Hulk's wife. I, he can take you. No, I, I, would, I would never mess with his wife out of respect for her, but I'd walk right up to him, slap him in his face, and say, there's nothing you can do about it, big dummy. Duh, why would you do that? Well, I'm just saying because I would do it just because I know I could take him. I don't think so. Guarantee it. You could bet take my Lou life Ferrigno. on it. You know what? Did you ever see Lou Ferrigno when he tried to compete in the strongman deal? He was off. He's, it's, it, the, there's a big difference between bodybuilding muscles and 
strength. And Lou Ferrigno was notoriously weak for his size. If you actually look like at pumping iron, people don't realize Arnold Schwarzenegger was never even close to uh, being within 40 pounds of Lou. He was much bigger, but Arnold was much stronger. And then you can look at Olympic weightlifters who are 170 pounds who are lifting five, six times the amount of weight with bodybuilders. A lot but of- I saw him throw a car. <laughs> You're crushing my childhood, You also man. saw him grow and all of his clothes rip off, yeah. except for conveniently the parts that cover his nether regions. That's the guy. <laughs> you don't mess with the Incredible Hulk. You know, apparently he's a cop in Los Angeles, and yeah. if you want an autograph, he's like, you know, it's $20. <laughs> if you want an autograph. I'm not mocking his... That's how he sounds. He's deaf. It's, I'm not mocking that he's deaf. That's how he sounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, apparently he's not a very nice guy. And uh, No, wait, no, sorry. I've, I've seen him at Comic-Cons, and he seems like a super nice guy. Oh, you can Google some videos and find some videos of him being a jackass. Oh, that's a drag. Well, I mean, you know what I think? I, I feel bad for the guy. He hasn't made a lot of money. Uh, I'm, I don't think he was really paid a lot. They brought him in as the Hulk, basically saying, "Listen, we can get another pair of pecs. You're going to work for scale, oh, <laughs> Lou." And I just kind of feel bad for the guy, but apparently he can be a little bit bitter and he he can be tough with signing autographs. If I'm wrong, we could, I'd love to have him on the show and and see if uh, if I am wrong. I don't know. Oh, that's that's cruel. I don't think he can call into the show. All right, we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back with Julie Steiner, psychologist, social worker, and faculty member here in Michigan to talk about mental health. I don't know why Fundip is even laughing. I have no idea what's wrong with him. He's laughing at me. He's the most disrespectful producer there's ever been. So she will be here to talk about mental health and its relation to terrorism. So that's interesting. We'll talk about terrorism. What's the constant? Islam? Is it mental health? What does mental health mean after the break? Lotta with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham Talk 1600. You are listening to Louder with Crowder. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're welcome for free content. We've been talking about a lot of things today. Immigration is obviously the hot topic. We'll get to that in the third hour with my mother. My mother, who actually is uh, is an immigrant. A lot of people don't realize this. My mom is French-Canadian. French is technically my first language. So people, you're just a rich white American wasp. They, they have no idea. That's the kind of background. So say something cool in French. Ben, c'est difficile. Il y a pas beaucoup de choses que je peux dire ici sur dans le radio, mais tu es un trou de cul. Now, what does that mean? You can't say it in English, so I don't know if we have to have a problem with the FCC or what. Uh-oh. No. Actually, we're fine. It was just mild profanity. Ah. Uh, it was very mild. I used, to, uh, I used to always read the second set of instructions with my Sony radios when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, it's an AM-FM receptor. Right, yeah. Well, you still get the French and English labels here in Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. All the time. You know, it's funny. I'll see those even in Texas, which is bizarre. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We are going to speak here with a, a lovely lady who's very smart, smarter than either of us, Schmohawks. Uh, she is a social worker, teaches psychology. Brilliant lady. Can give us some insight into some cultural issues right now. Ms. Julie Steiner, thanks for being on Louder with Crowder. 
You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. No, well, no. We're, thank you for coming on. Most of the time we send out invitations and people send us back. Not so much a thank you. It's, it's another letter before the you. So, Julie. <laughs> 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 took Dan a little bit of a while. Uh, I mean, you, you, you um, now you're a faculty member here too in, in Michigan. Where is it that you teach? At Washtenaw Community College. There you go. Okay, so you teach. You, you you do social work. So one thing too, we've obviously had this attack right in Jerusalem where there were um, Jews and, and, and Americans who were killed, Israelis and Americans who were killed. And anytime this happens, Julie, and I thought you'd be interesting to sort of educate us here. I always argue, obviously, the the constant is the ideology that demands that one kill everyone who's not who is opposed to their ideology. Anyone who's not Islamic should be killed, according to Muhammad and the Quran. So that's my argument. But you see a lot in the in the news, people say, well, really, we can chalk this up to mental health issues. You saw that with the Ottawa shooter. You see that now. They go, do they have mental health issues? That, to me, seems like such a broad term. When we say mental health, what are we really talking about? Well, mental health or mental illness, it's easier to find the mental illness. Right. Because there's such a, uh, a degree of mental health. Right. As you know, by talking to your family and friends. Right, but yes. The, uh, the mental illness would typically be somebody who has um, <clears throat> a way of looking at things or a way of handling things that is... Uh, dysfunctional to their life. It disrupts their life. Right. So if someone has negative thinking, well, they, you can have all kinds of negative thinking, but as soon as it starts to interfere with your ability to function uh, in society, then it starts to become mental illness. Right. Well, what interferes with our ability to function is fun dip making awful coffee this morning. I have no idea what his problem was. It came out like watered <laughs> tar. Julie, thank, thank the Lord that you are not here. It's a, fun dip just came in my room. You're a nightmare, fun dip. I am fine. Coffee will be better. <laughs> it was terrible. That's why I drink tea. Drink tea. It's not a problem. I know. Tea is better for you. It's actually better for your cholesterol profile. I know. Julie's a big fan of tea. But, you know, it's funny. You just see, now you just gave us a, a, a you, did, you did us a huge service by saying, okay, now we're framing in mental health, right, to the parameters of, really, we're talking about mental illness. And you talked about how, okay, now we've defined that as something that can be dysfunctional to one's life. But that doesn't mean and correct me if I'm wrong, that they're dysfunctional necessarily to someone else's life or that they would go out and be dysfunctional in a violent way, whereas the media tries to act as though that's, that's almost par for the course with people with mental health issues. Do you think that's irresponsible for the media to do? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because then what we're doing is we're allowing so many things to go unchecked or there's nothing we can do about it because, oh, it's a mental health issue. Right. Um, oh, yeah, because it takes away our responsibility. Right. No, it takes away our responsibility. And as far as I'm concerned, listen, one ideology, there is one ideology in the world that expressly demands the killing of anyone who doesn't support your ideology, and that is of Islam. Now, am I saying all Muslims? No. I'm talking about Islam, the Quran, and Muhammad, their, their holiest of prophets. If you look at any Muslim country, any Islamic country in the history of the world ever, all of them commit gross atrocities of human rights. If you convert, you're killed. If you're gay, you're killed. In most of those countries, women have no chance of coming forward with, with rape or with allegations of domestic abuse. That's something that's consistent across the board. What I've not seen consistently across the board, and I've worked with people with special needs, so you can clarify. I don't know if that 
falls under mental health, I've not seen violence. I've not seen a desire to hurt someone else simply because they have mental health issues. And that's just opinion. Am, am I wrong in my assessment? No, uh, the violence is associated even in if you're dealing with people who are mentally ill or have uh, different problems. The violence is associated with certain diagnoses. Right. And there's very few select ones. So to say that, uh, oh, somebody that shoots somebody else or somebody that does uh, some of these heinous things is mentally ill is just uh, ludicrous. Well, what would be some of those... To frame it in for the listener, what would be some of those, like you said, limited conditions that would cause one to be violent? Where would that be common? Well, some of the uh, people who have um, certain, uh, and I want to be careful here because I do not want, I do not want anyone in the audience who has a particular diagnosis. Right. Oh, no, wait a minute, I'm not violent. Right. Um, So remember, everything has degrees. Sure. There's a d- degree of ADD that's very minimal, and there's a degree of ADD where you can't get in the car without having an accident if you're not treated. Right. So it's the same thing. Bipolar, some people with bipolar have mood swings, and other people with bipolar are very violent. In fact, a lot of people in jail right. have bipolar mm-hmm. or manic depression. Right. <laughs> Another one would be schizophrenia. Yes. Because they may go through a schizophrenic episode where they're not in touch with reality, they can do very violent things. Right. Um, and they may not know at all what they're doing. Right. Those are the two main ones. Um, if you can talk to some people who are narcissistic or yeah. obviously sociopaths, may also be extremely violent. Those are radio uh, show hosts. The narcissistic hosts. person, <laughs> they justify it to themselves. Right. No, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And even from what you're saying, you know, the, the limited examples of someone who might not have mental health issues, as the media says, we've now framed it into mental illness, which I'm sure, by the way, is a politically incorrect term. A lot of people will be upset with that. It's oh, okay. Absolutely. We'll, we'll get letters no matter what, Julie. So don't worry. Yeah. I, I, will take those, I will take those letters from you because you can educate. I will take the hate straight on the chin. And then we've gone into, okay, the limited conditions of mental illness that could be violent. And it's still not a constant, even across schizophrenia or bipolar. From what you're saying, there's a good portion of those people who may be dysfunctional to their own life, but not violent to others. Right. Right. And then that's a so, – so my point is it's a huge leap to go, you know, four people were killed in Jerusalem, or there was an Ottawa shooting where people were killed on Capitol Hill. Mental health. We'll just toss it all under the umbrella of mental health. And we see that so often that um, – I feel like as a society, we've gotten so far off the beam from from what we're really talking about. It's really easy for someone to throw around the term mental health when they have no idea as to what it actually means. And that must just drive you crazy because that's your line of work. It absolutely infuriates me because, like I said, for me, it means it alleviates the responsibility for doing something about what's going on. We don't have to change how our schools operate because the people who are doing the shootings are all mentally ill. Right. And there's nothing we can do about that. Right, exactly. That's such a good point. It absolves them of responsibility. They can blame the Internet. They can blame television. Or now, thank the Lord, they can blame mental health. And it's really easy to go to a high school guidance counselor and tell them you're stressed yes. or tell them you want some Xanax. And then all of a sudden you shoot up the school. Oh, we knew it. He had mental health. As opposed to something else. Julie, we will bring you on after the break. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. On the two- 
I'm feeling the... Oh, we're jamming. I'm feeling the Weezer this morning. That'll wake you up. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's finally happening. Fundip's Hebrew National Breakfast it's just got there, up to him. I thought, I thought it was another kind of Weezer. As a matter of fact, <laughs> since we have a social worker slash psychology uh, expert, we should put Fundip on the couch. Julie Steiner is back. Brilliant lady. Friend of the show. Thanks so much for sticking with us, Julie. You're welcome. Seriously, you may want to... I love it when you say, let's put so-and-so on the couch. It's fun to do. (laughs) It is, yeah. We need to put Fun Dip on the couch because... The last one I went to only had little chairs in the room. I wanted the couch. You would swallow those chairs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the couch. I mean, how do they have chairs? You can't be comfortable and talk about your mother in a a desk chair. It was a comfy chair. I mean, it was like the kind of chair that Ed Hoffman describes on Speaking of Art. Sit in a big, comfy armchair and listen to the show. <laughs> you did that in a very creepy way. Uh, anyway, Julie, we're, we're, we're sorry. We were just talking about during the break. I don't know if you could hear us. We were talking about coffee. I know you're a tea person. but th- What brand of tea do you like? Oh, you're asking Julie. Yeah, Julie, what kind of tea are you I a like, fan of? Um, I don't know a brand, but I like Earl Grey. Ah, okay, it's good. You stuff. got the bergamot in there, the oil of bergamot, Captain Picard Earl, stuff. Going on. And English breakfast, anything that's strong enough to resemble coffee. I like oh, a yeah. strong caffeine tea. You know what, though, even there, it's not nearly as strong as coffee because I was always a tea guy, and then I would do like energy. I hated coffee until recently, and now I don't know why. Hey, once you got into the coffee, you immediately became a coffee snob. Well, I've always, the only coffee I've ever been able to drink for about, you know, five years is every now and then I would have a good cup. But then I just started wanting it almost every day. I, and I know it's, it's, some people say it's good for you. Some people say it's bad for you. That would be interesting, Julie. Now, caffeine, right? That's, that's, it's a drug. Um, it is my drug. How does that affect the, the human brain? And why is it that certain, maybe you can explain to us, you know, as a social worker and, and someone who teaches psychology, why is it that certain drugs like caffeine, which is really um, a psychoactive chemical or like nicotine, they're legal and some other drugs aren't? Isn't that kind of bizarre? No, no. And I, and I get upset with people who think it's strange. Okay. Because, well, don't get upset with me. It's just a question. No, no. I mean, when they really push it. Right. Uh, you know, because actually caffeine for a lot of people is very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the lifeblood. For, for people who have um, any, any form, not any form, who have certain forms of ADD and ADHD, caffeine calms them down. It's because of the way it's affecting your neurotransmitters. Right. So to take it away would not be a good thing. No, and it's uh, and it's any form of caffeine. That's true. Well, you know, coffee I, I, uh, has certain properties in it, and so you got to get into somebody else who does the whole the drugs, biology, or whatever <laughs> that yeah. um, that can be harmful, but that also has properties that can be helpful. Well, you know what's funny, and, but caffeine itself it can actually be very helpful for people. People who have uh, nar- uh, narcolepsy are very helped by it. That makes uh, sense. A lot of conditions. 
That makes sense. Well, you know, it's funny because I do get, sometimes I'll actually get sleepy if I have more caffeine. I don't get, I certainly don't get hyper from it. And uh, I've actually, you know, I've experimented with prescriptions from people have given me for ADHD and I have the same response. You know, like that's enough speed that could kill a rhino and I can go, you know, take a nap. I don't really sleep much, period, but I'll go and lay down. So it's interesting. Yeah, I know it, it, it acts on dopamine and serotonin. That's about the extent of my neurological knowledge. I just miss the nicotine. Well, you know what's funny, Julie, and we were talking about this. I don't know if you've read these studies now, but they're talking about nicotine and tobacco. If you remove the tar and other components that are obviously really harmful to you, they say that nicotine is actually very protective against Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and it's been vilified to a point now that it, they're almost coming back around, saying actually there's some there are some really therapeutic benefits to nicotine. Well, and also about four or five years ago, we'd have to look at when it was. They did a study that showed that uh, people when they smoke a cigarette actually think more clearly and mm. think in a straighter line rather than scattered. I totally did. And yeah, it's it's it, and I have a hard time teaching about it because I don't want people to be addicted to uh, cigarettes right. because of all the harmful effects. But it's actually, it. it can be very helpful mentally. You know, it's funny that that is true. And actually, Greg Gutfeld wrote, I think, when he was editor for Men's Health or FHM, one of those men's magazines where he worked, and he was fired because he republished an article on the benefits of tobacco. Didn't they, they have an editor that previews those things? No, he was the head. He was the editor. Oh, okay. That's the whole point. He was the last guy in charge. He's like, I'm, I'm going to put this in the issue, and then the actual boss, the owner, was furious with him. But he wasn't wrong. They just thought it was irresponsible to in any way praise nicotine or tobacco. So he right. kind of had to walk right. that line that you do. But, um, yeah, it's funny. You know, people talk about that. Now they're saying if they were to actually study it in the same kind of clinical trials as Adderall or Ritalin, that it could be really beneficial for people with hyperactivity disorders, but it's just been vilified to the point that no one really wants to push that. One of the things... Well, if you take a look at people with schizophrenia... Yeah. I happen to have had a sister that had it, and if you watch their smoking patterns, it's fascinating. And they actually use smoking cigarettes as a treatment for it because she would go out and she would smoke four or five or six cigarettes in a row, and she wouldn't smoke the whole thing, maybe half. And then she would go eight or ten hours without even thinking about a cigarette. Wow. Because she wasn't smoking for the habit. She was smoking to calm down her brain. And it worked. I found and that. And after she had her, her bout of smoking several cigarettes, she'd be really good for quite a while. That's fine. Fundup was going to say something. Yeah, I found that when I used to smoke, I would get here and put on a pot of coffee, and I would have a smoke out by the satellite dish, and I felt more alert with my coffee and my smoke. And then even after I quit smoking, when I was in a band and it would get frustrating at practice, I would go out and have a cigarette and I would be able to deal with the frustrations of learning a new song or anything like that. So I, I totally see where it, it has that effect, even though I know it's bad for you and I have But funny, quit. that's the least of your worries. If I could get you to cut out all the other crap and just smoke like a chimney. <laughs> i got to get rid of the pizza and i got to get rid of eating my uh, whole bricks of 20-month cheddar. 
<laughs> so many things. Uh, there I are need so many quit. things. Smoking one cigarette before a, a band practice is the least of your worries. But, Julie, you're saying so that obviously we've been told all of those beneficial effects are just due to serving an addiction. But you're saying that actually it's not just about, you know, quenching the addiction, no. but there are actual effects that are beneficial universally. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Absolutely. And it does. And, and, uh, <laughs> It is the example you just gave is perfect because it does calm people down. Right. And it's one of the reasons that people have such a hard time quitting. Sure. Because it's both they, a stimulant they need, and a relaxant, right? It kind of acts on both uh, re- receptors. It kind of acts all around the brain as opposed to targeting, from what I understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's tough. I mean, that's tough to quit. It's like, hey, I'm focused, I'm relaxed. You know, you get on speed, you're just, you know, you're running around with the meth head going on, and no oh, one yeah. wants to be friends with you. <laughs> if you start taking the barbiturates, you're coming down, you have to pinch your ears yeah. and count down from 10, but a cigarette, you're level. The speed thing, you're like, I am con Julio. Right. You just go crazy. Yes, okay. Beavis and Butthead reference from Fun Dip. That's fascinating, Julie. Now, we don't have a ton of time, but what about something like marijuana, right? Because we're talking about this, what's been vilified and then what's been praised. So now we have people saying tobacco is bad, alcohol is, 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 is horrible, cigarettes, everything. Everything is bad, but marijuana is the great saving grace. It can cure cancer. It can fix everything. I, I, I don't want to get you too far off on the rabbit trail, but how accurate is that, especially in Ann Arbor, right? That's kind of the story. Yes, it's, uh, I'll tell you, this is a very difficult to be an addiction um, addiction counselor because marijuana is still hold on, you can hear my dog oh that's okay, we all have dogs <laughs> you can tell I'm not in the studio no, I, yeah, we can tell you're not in the studio that's okay, that happens that sometimes in my home studio if I have Hopper laying around and someone knocks on the door he'll go nuts Differences. okay, there we go yes. the, um, <laughs> marijuana is uh if we could do something visually, you would see what it does to the brain. Right. The problem with marijuana is it, cl- it clings to fat, as we all know. Right. Well, your brain cells have a fat lining, and so <laughs> it immediately mine. goes to the fat lining. And it's in your, your brain cells and in your reproductive cells. So it's really interfering with um, your thinking and your memory. It interferes with peripheral vision. There's so many horrible side effects. Right. And this, there was a study, again, about four or five years ago, where they looked at cancer, and they were dumbfounded at how much higher the rate of cancer was for people who smoke marijuana versus people who smoke cigarettes. Right. I know. You know, it's one of those things there isn't enough research done. Fundip is having a heart attack laughing so hard, because when you mentioned that it was fat, you know, soluble, that it clings to fat, I pointed to him here in studio, Julie, to him to say, Fundip. Don't make the fat joke. And he came in and he did it any he did it anyway. Hey, it's just like the Seinfeld episode where the, where the guy was able to make the joke for a certain segment of society because he had joined it. I clearly have joined the fat segment of society. But no one else can make fat jokes. I don't like it when people make them at me, but I'm okay to self-deprecate. Well, then I apologize about the chair joke with the couch. Oh dear! Yeah. That was that was just a fact. That was <laughs> it was a medical fact. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, but it is interesting that Julie talks about that because obviously, you know, marijuana is stored in fat. And uh, there's another psychiatrist who I believe we've had in the show who's talked about that. And I'm sort of middle of the road. I think if states want to legalize it constitutionally, they have that right. You know, it's a Tenth Amendment issue. My problem 
and I can't think of anything more sensible than this, is when it's legalized under the premise of a lie, when it's legalized because the public votes on it and they believe that it's medicine. They believe right. that and it's... It, and it's not. It doesn't cure cancer. Right. What it does is it, it takes away pain. Right. And I'm, I'm really grateful that we passed it for medical purposes, unless right. that's a step of st- setting stone to legalize it. Because for medical purposes, it does help with the nausea and with pain and, and the glaucoma and with asthma. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the things that it can help with. You know, it's funny. I've often thought about that, Julie, and I can ask you this here. You know, when I, you know, I have back problems. I've had severe back issues, and they've put me on painkillers at, at, at points, and I try and avoid them. You know, I try and, and just do the lots of ginger, lots of curcumin, turmeric, and cinnamon, things like that, and it does seem to help a little bit. But when they give me something like Percocet or they give me something like, uh, like Vicodin, right, that makes me loopy, we know how harmful that is. I've never touched marijuana. Would something like marijuana work as effectively and would the would the harm that it could cause would it be lessened i mean what would be the risks or rewards using marijuana versus something like you know percocet for some people yes marijuana can be very helpful for pain very helpful okay um and that's and and a quick question if you could that's... get it in a in pill form at a strong enough dose right that would be the way to go or brownies Okay. <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah, I tell the class that brownie or spaghetti. Brownies you know? or spaghetti. I hadn't thought about the spaghetti. When I retire, that's what I'll try. <laughs> In my retirement, I figure I've got nothing to lose by that point. And you'll tell them Julie told me so. Yeah, after after sixty five, <laughs> right. I'm going to try all the things that I was afraid to try when I was younger. But here's my question. This is a genuine question, Julie. Would that be? You know, would that blunt the pain beyond the fact that I'm just blitzed out of my mind, or would it actually affect the opioid receptors and target pain pathways like an actual painkiller? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't affect your. I. I don't. It doesn't make you loopy. Okay. So it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't give you the side effects that the Percocet and the Vicodin. You're not going to be able to think as clearly. Right. You're not going to uh, be able. You're not, it's going to affect your memory, right? So there's still some negative things that are going to happen. It'll still affect your peripheral vision, right? So you want to be careful driving. Yeah. But so basically, if you're if, if you're you Asian it, and you are you driving it the on right pot. way, it's not going to cause you to have cancer. It's not going to cause you to have uh, lung problems. You know, there are some of the issues that come along with cancer that you're going to avoid. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Look at this conversation. We started with mental health and terrorism and society at large, and we got into the benefits of nicotine <laughs> and marijuana. See, Julie, it was your, your first time doing the show, but we have to have you back. This took us off into wonderful rabbit trails. You are our glorious Mad Hatter. Thank you so much for coming with us. We hope you come back, Julie. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You make it a lot of fun, Stephen. You're very good. Thank you, Julie. God bless you. And uh, the lesson here, listener, is... If one is, if you see an Asian with a joint in the car driving, cut him a wide swath because you are going to have some problems and we don't need any more people getting into car wrecks. It's already getting icy out there. Stay safe, drive safe. Louder with Crowder. You're listening to Louder with Crowder.
on Wham Talk 1600. We are back louder with Crowder. So glad that you can join us. And you're welcome for free content. You can always call 734-822-1600. Our question of the day is, how do you feel about Barack Obama's immigration speech? Do you think, do you feel sympathetic to people who are coming here, who are here illegally? Do you feel like we should not deport them? Or do you think they also deserve a fast track to green cards uh, right ahead of the queue where everyone has come here legally? Again, that number is 734-822-1600. If you have an opinion, or preferably if you're an actual immigrant, that's always interesting. Uh, now, Dan, your fund up, your, your family... Are they for, are they Americans or did they come here from anywhere else? Well, my grandfather was from uh, Greats Cove, Newfoundland. Oh, that's on right. my dad's side, and my grandmother, she was born in the U.S. in uh, New York, and then on my mom's side, both of her parents one was born in County Kerry, one was born in County Clare, Ireland. So okay. I'm, I guess, second generation American on both sides. So you're a mutt. Oh, very much so. English, Irish, German, and Newfie. Well, that's that's America, right? We're the mutts. We're the uh, we're the dog rescue of the world. Outstanding. I like looking at it that way. We really are. We're a bunch of rescues here, right? The difference is, <laughs> okay, I have to be careful here because I don't want to compare people to dogs. I'm comparing us to dogs. I'm not comparing yeah you and you and me. Yeah, you 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 and me. Not you and I. See, there you go. Right. You and me. Uh, you and me ain't no movie star. <laughs> what we are is what we are. We need to cuddle up and watch some TV. Folks. I am not cuddling up with you. You'll hopper, cuddle. maybe, but not you. We'll have a Hopper sandwich. He'll yeah. be in the middle. He'll, hopper will be the buffer so that technically we're not cuddling. You're strange. <laughs> I'm a strange animal. That's what the yeah, music says. Very much so. No, it's funny that we talk about this because we are basically the dog rescue of the world, right? All of us have come in. A lot of people were unwanted. I mean, you look at it, you look at... Uh, of course, you had Irish Americans. Oh, yeah, and there used to be signs in the fronts of store windows uh, when they would say, you know, uh, help wanted, but not Irish guys. Right, and then Italian was a big thing, too, and then Jewish people, right? These people came in, and these were people who were actively discriminated against elsewhere in the world, or they were coming from famine, or they were coming from oppression, and they came in and did it legally. Now, there is the argument that it might have been easier back then as compared to today. That being said, all of these generations of people came, and it was understood that America was a melting pot. Yeah, they came. They became part of America. Exactly. It wasn't, I'm going to come. I'm going to only speak Italian, go to America, only hang out with Italians, run an Italian restaurant, not learn English, and screw America. I mean, Italian-Americans are the most patriotic people you will find. Oh, very much so. Those are the people who can borderline be racist. <laughs> you, like, you go to New York and they're like, hey, you know, you got these people coming in here. Boy. I don't want those people here. They're not American. These people, you know, get the, uh, get the hell out of here. I uh, got the, if you don't like a calzone, get the hell out of here. We don't want you in this country. I'll take a calzone. We'll take a calzone. <laughs> I don't know why, for some reason, my Italian-American had a bit of Tony Clifton in it. Oh, yeah. You know, you got uh, these uh, immigrants. I'm trying to come in the country, trying to thank our work for you. I'm going to get out of here. What I'm really craving now is pizza. You're always craving pizza. you got a valid point. We should just hook blended pizza up to an IV straight into your vein. No, because half the joy of a good pizza is the texture. I know that, but I think that your I brain want, would work better. I want the texture of a nice 
crisp cornicone around the edge, the the crust there. I want fresh buffalo mozzarella. I want fresh basil. I want What's buffalo mozzarella? Is it buffalo flavored mozzarella? No, it's made from buffalo milk. Really? Yeah, it's the, it's my favorite mozzarella. I'm a huge fan of goat's milk. I don't know if you have you ever actually had like fresh goat milk? No, just goat cheese, but oh, I lo- I love that. Goat's milk is great. What it really is, it's just like picture fresh milk um that tastes extra creamy because there's a much oh. higher butter fat content. Oh yeah. And they don't have to homogenize goat's milk. So a big part of that burnt taste you taste in milk not only is because it's pasteurized, but homogenization is basically because with, with cow's milk, you know, the cream would rise to the top in the yeah. old milk, so they have to kind of force it through a grate, right, a high amount of pressure yeah. to break up those sort of fat globules, and that's what kind of creates that, well, when you compare it to goat's milk, you'll go back to normal milk, and you'll be like, it just tastes kind of thin and almost like charred. Goat's milk just tastes like really good fresh milk, but it's a mental thing for a lot of people. They go, I can just, I taste goaty. It tastes too goaty to me. Like, what have you done? Have you gone to a farm and licked a goat at some (laughs) point in your life? What do you? It's just goat milk. My oldest son's nickname is Goat Face, so you know I'll have to get some goat milk next time he's around, and we can put up a YouTube video of us drinking goat's milk. We can do it. Goat's milk would be fantastic and delicious, and it would it would be a better addiction than your pizza. There is no better addiction than my pizza. You know what? I would love to run a study on you because people can become chemically addicted to pretty much anything. We were just talking about that with uh, with Julie Steiner, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's alcohol. But you can become addicted to sugar, to certain foods. I wonder if you actually have a chemical addiction, if your neurotransmitters oh, yeah. have become dependent on pizza. <laughs> I bet you mine and my friend Jared's are totally chemically dependent on pizza that's that's fun dip he's going listen i'm no good to anybody in the morning without my pizza if you're anything like me you enjoy a good glass of wine but finding the right kind can be a hassle or maybe you want to buy a nice bottle as a gift but don't know where to start that's where simplified wine comes in simplified wine makes buying good wine simple just call 844-297-WINE where a qualified sommelier will take your information budget send you a curated list and then wine straight to your door it's just that simple by the way they also have a price match guarantee so it's not only the easiest way to get great wine but the least expensive all you do is call simplified wine at 844-297-WINE that's 844-297-WINE or don't like phone calls you can just go to simplifiedwine.com and hit the simplify button same thing just digital Any wine you want, they can get. Just call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to your door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. This is Steven Crowder, host of Louder with Crowder, and I just wanted to tell you about the best gun-related website there is, AR15.com. It's one of my favorite sites on the internet, period. I know some of you hear AR15 and say, isn't that the scary black rifle? Well, yes, it is, but AR15.com is the best site for all information on anything gun-related, informative articles, and the biggest active gun-related community on the web to personally help you with gun safety, recommendations, where to take your permit courses, as well as the best gun store on the internet. I'm talking accessories, upgrades, ammo, whatever you need at, frankly, the best prices I've ever seen. So whatever your gun-related needs, whether it's information, personal help, or you're looking to make a few purchases, AR15.com is the best website there is. Go there, AR15.com. Visit AR15.com today for all of your gun-related needs. 
That's AR15.com. Fund it. Shut up. It's my show. Thank you for tuning in to Louder with Crowder. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. You're welcome for cre- free content. Cree content. Creepy content. Creepy content. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to hit you with some numbers here, Fundip. Five. That's, that's incorrect. Three. That's incorrect. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. The only number that's going to be taking place in this studio is a one, eight, seven, if you don't let me get my job done. Uh, Detroit... Was that the name of that TV show? No, 187 is the, is the police code for homicide. Yeah, I think it was to... Detroit 187 or something. That was a TV show. All of Detroit is 187. They should make that their zip code. Oh, you're horrible. Detroit is horrible. It's where dreams no, go to die. Stop I it. I love Detroit. Ah. I'm, I can't wait. Hopefully sometime within the next month we'll be staying at the book Cadillac for uh, yeah, kind of like a birthday celebration for myself. Here's and the then, thing that I hope. Yeah. I hope that you get mugged, and I hope you don't get hurt severely but just enough to teach you not to play with fire that's what i hope i don't go to the mugging parts it's all mugging parts aside from like two blocks that's the two blocks i go to (laughs) i go to i go to the book cadillac the leland campus marshes uh i go to kobo a couple times a year. so basically it's hipster 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 fun dip hipster 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 yeah, pretty much. In New York, yeah, and in Detroit, it's it's entirely become hipster-ridden. Okay, I've got some numbers for you because we're talking about immigration, right? Yeah. Right here in Michigan. So Barack Obama basically saying he wants to fast-card people, fast-track people to their green card. I have this number. Let me pull it right back up here. Where did it go? Okay. Guess how many illegal immigrants are here in Michigan, and they're just waiting to just be allowed now and fast-tracked, right here in Michigan, that we know of? Oh, it's got to be 500,000. Okay, I have 100,000. You kind of overshot it. You kind of stole my thunder. But there are 100,000 illegal immigrants right here in Michigan who are just waiting for this thing to hopefully go through where they can just be fast-tracked. That's a lot. Even even though it was less than what I was guessing, that's still a lot of folks. Right. I just I don't like the breaking the law aspect of the thing. I don't I don't mind people coming in, sure, starting businesses, doing whatever. Just wait your turn. Well, that's racist. Don't you know that's racist? That's the problem right now. Is it set up again? If but you, I don't even want somebody who is an overweight Irish guy coming in. <laughs> Without with a pizza and without one hand. their yeah, and a coffee in the other. That's the problem. If immigrants wanted fast track status with fund up, just come in. We have pizza. You're in. No, it's got to be very good pizza. It's be very, it can't be Little Caesars. Oh, no, you would take it. Admit it. In a pinch, you would take it. I have refused uh, bad pizza 
I said, no, I just I know that in two hours I can get to where I need to go. To but get you don't refuse food. bad coffee. I don't know what the deal is this morning, Fun Dip. I'm thinking that maybe my coffee machine has finally given out. I mean, we've had that thing since I would say the '80s. It doesn't. It, the cups aren't very hot. It could be that I've been learning about the right extraction method. And uh, my mom actually is a big coffee person. She's from Canada. You know, it's funny in Canada before they were had in, in the states in Quebec. You know, coffee houses existed for a long time. We talked about that with Mark Stein. Yeah. I remember going up to the uh, Marché Richelieu, and the. do you guys sell Van Hoot, Van Huet coffee here? Is that a French thing? It doesn't ring a bell. Okay, it's got the picture of the guy in the glasses, kind of looks like Clark Gable, looks like my grandfather on the cover. She would go, and at the grocery store, there were just beans, and the wall had a grinder, where you would take your beans, put it in a grinder in the store, and it would go into a bag, so you had fresh ground beans. I've not seen that here in the States at They all. have that at Kroger. Do they? Yeah. Okay. I, I haven't seen it at a lot of grocery stores here. I know Whole Foods, places like that would have it, but it seems like it's it's relatively new here, right, in the States? I, it looks like it's been there for a while. There's a lot of crumbs around it. <laughs> that can happen just after you directly hitting the grind and getting them into your mouth like uh, Barney with the, the oh, beer tap on The Simpsons. That is actually kind of good. Have you ever had just chocolate-covered coffee beans? Those are delicious. I don't even. I didn't even like coffee, and I liked those. Those are so good. They're good. I don't know how much caffeine is in there, but let's uh, go back to here to immigration because we want to set up the next segment where my mom will be coming on, who is an immigrant. Um, here's a stat. For high school dropouts that are illegal immigrants, they receive... Nine eighty nine thousand more in services than they actually pay in taxes in their lifetime. Wow! So think about that. So let's just say there's in Michigan we're talking about a hundred thousand total, but let's say illegal immigrants uh, who are dropouts from high school. And by the way, the dropout rate is pretty high for illegal immigrants in high school. It's higher than the general populace. Let's multiply that in the country times a couple million. I think is reasonable, right? Across the country, probably a couple million kids who are from illegal immigrant families who drop out of high school, they are getting 89000 more than they pay in taxes. That's incredible. It's frustrating. And, you know, I know what liberals will say, leftists will say, well, it's not nearly as much money as the billions of dollars in wars. The military is a legitimate branch of government, whether you support the wars or not. The police force is a legitimate role of government. Paying an illegal immigrant who's dropped out and goes onto the public dole uh, through whatever fashion, $89,000 is not the role of government. Or even paying somebody who was born here. Yeah, paying anyone who was born Pay, here. Paying anybody that much money to not contribute to the overall society is frustrating. Right. Oh, gosh. Well, not only does this... Uh, proposal from Barack Obama include 4 million worker immigrants, but Obama's plan will also provide for the DREAM Act, basically. It's basically the Obama DREAM Act. You're talking about, remember they wanted the, the, the public option? They wanted the public option in health care because they know that any time a public option becomes available, the next step is entirely socialized health care. Um, the cl closest thing they could have was a health care mandate. I believe we're the only country to have signed into law a national health care mandate as opposed to presenting a public option or full-on socialized health care. I'll, I'll have to look. I haven't looked at every single country, but that was their first step. If we could get the public option, we know. I mean, for those who don't know, the public option was basically you can get private insurance or you can get super cheap government insurance. Well, the government doesn't need to be acquiescent to the market, to yeah. customers, right? So they can just spend a ton of federal money to keep their rates low and put all private insurance companies out of business. Because if you go, well, the rate, if I go with 
my private insurance company will be 400 a month and the government insurance is $50 a month, of course I'll get the government insurance. The difference is they're just taking from one fund to fund their, their public option yeah. insurance. So it would eliminate the private healthcare sector within you know half a decade. Well, yesterday Dana was talking about how it's all cookie cutter as well. So say you've got a, a man who is 65 years old and he's getting the government insurance, but half of what it is or a portion of what it is is for birth control and for gynecological exams. He doesn't need that coverage, but it's it's there because it's all the same for everybody. It's not targeted to the individual person's needs. Right. No, absolutely. And that's the big difference in the worldview. Right. Even when we were talking with Hip Hughes, I think he's a good guy. The difference in the worldview is seeing people as individuals as opposed to minorities, as opposed to men and women, as opposed to gender, as opposed to sexual orientation, just seeing everyone as an individual. Now, we do play identity politics sometimes. Republicans do do that. I, I try and avoid it myself. You see both sides do it, but it is a fulcrum of the political ideology of the left because it's collectivism. That's what they believe in. Yeah. So we're going to bring my mom on here after the break because she is an immigrant herself, and she'll be telling you her story, how she came to the United States, what that was like, uh, right here after the break on Louder with Crowder. Wham Radio, louderwithcrowder.com. You're listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham Talk 1600. There we go. Perfect bump for my beautiful next guest, who is French-Canadian, just like Celine Dion, though we kind of publicly have to apologize for Celine Dion sometimes after that Titanic fiasco. A lot of people don't realize French was technically my first language. I learned to read and write French uh, before English, went to French schools up until the fourth grade because my mother, who is our next guest, is French-Canadian, Francine Crowder, formerly Lakai. Mom, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Stephen. I'm glad to be uh, on the show. Okay. I, I know this is your first time calling in, so don't worry. Just act like nobody is listening and ignore the incoherent ramblings of Fun Dip. But <laughs> you're from Quebec. So for people who don't know, firstly, tell them, I mean, the, the language there is French. You grew up, right? You didn't speak a word of English. That's right. I uh, just spoke uh, French until I met your dad. I learned English. I was 22 years old. <laughs> That's true. You were 22, and you really learned English because of dad, right? Because you took an interest in him, and you said, I, I better get on the English train. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's actually, it's a, now wasn't it you, what was the story? You met dad in Florida. And yes, I was on vacation in uh, Florida with one of my, my friend, my uh, girlfriend, and uh, she met your, your dad's best friend, and uh, I was introduced to your dad, but I didn't speak a word of English, and she was bilingual, so she kind of translated uh, 
back and forth. And when I got back to Montreal, I thought, I better learn English because I'm really interested in this guy. So right. I did. <laughs> I was... just took five uh, days of private English lesson and there I was. <laughs> there it is. Fun if I was telling you English lesson. There was no S at the end of that. Oh, yeah. See that? It's okay, Mom. We love you. But the pl- <laughs> that's part of the authenticity, the plural. Sometimes she'll miss it. She'll puts it she puts it where you don't need a plural. Um, Mom, so you met Dad, right? You, you, you got married. You then moved to Michigan here right out of Detroit, Gross Point. Um, and you got your green card. What was that process like? Was it, was it hard? Was it long for you? Um, yes, it was hard. We got married in uh, Montreal, and then when I came back to Michigan, I had to go to immigration and apply and get medical tests done. And then I was not allowed to go back in my country uh, for a year. I had to wait to get uh, my green card. Right. So, uh, yeah, they were they were pretty strict, you know, about that. And can you tell yeah. everyone the and uh, the when we used to go through the border to Plattsburgh, New York. My dad would say three Americans and and one alien. And do you remember what you would always do when he said that at the border? <laughs> Hello, that, I'm the alien. <laughs> you would say that, or you would go beep beep. Beep beep, yes. <laughs> and then we'd get strip searched. So it was uh, it was fun fun up until that point. And aren't you? Didn't you say now you have to renew? Isn't that recent? We were just talking about that. You have to renew your green card now, and it's been kind of hard, right? It's, it, it, it has been very hard because everything has changed. When I was given my uh, green card, it was for a lifetime back then. There's no expiration on my green card, you know. And by the way, the card is not green. They tell you it's a green card. I expected a green card the whole time, and it's not green. It's white with my picture. But... Uh, it's just, I just thought it was funny. But right now I've learned that uh, even though I'm still in the system and everything, that since the new law has changed, that I need to renew my card every 10 years, every, even though there's no expiration date on my card. Right. So I'm through the process of doing that because I did not know uh, about that and uh, okay. I wouldn't be well, able to travel right now. As much as we love the intricacies of, of bureaucratic problems with <laughs> green cards, Mom, I mean, does that, when you hear, okay, so you, I know you didn't watch the speech last night because Barack Obama, for you, ironically enough, coming from socialist Quebec, makes you sick. My mom literally can't yes. watch her fund it. Uh, fund up. She can't watch up. And Hillary Clinton makes my mom sick, right? Didn't you say oh, Hillary yeah. Clinton makes you sick to your stomach, mom? It really does. It actually, yeah, pull my stomach out. There's some people it's very hard for me to watch. So I'm sorry, but that's the it, truth. It's not just you. You're not alone in this. Well, I think she's the only one who pull, it pulls her stomach out. But mom, what do you think of when you see? So now, basically, the speech was they are going to fast track illegals who are here in this country. Mm-hmm. They're going to get the fast track to green card. It's just going to be really fast. It's going to be much more easy. He says, these people deserve to be here. Uh, let's make sure they get their green cards. When you went through that whole process and you're going through it now, I mean, what do you think as an immigrant who came here and, and went through what you had to go through, do you think it's fair? No, I don't. I What I think is get in line and get to the process just like I had to do. That's that's exactly the way I feel. It should be the same for everyone. It shouldn't be any uh, exception. I'm going to bet, and it, it costs a lot of money to 
for me, I don't know what it is. I think it's the history for them. But for me right now, just to renew it, it's like $650 to renew a card. Then I was issued for a lifetime, and now they're changing the rule on that, too. And uh, I'm not sure that all those other immigrants now that Obama is talking about, then they're going to have to pay anything to you know, get on front of the line and not have to do all the work, you know, and just get their uh, their green card. Yeah, know? I know. I think Fundit was going to say something, no? Uh, I'm just, I'm wondering if the reason you have to pay now is to pay for those that are getting in uh, illegally. I oh, think... I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I mean, isn't it always what it is with that type of government? <laughs> Government, yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, it's funny because I, he did say there would be a fee for people to get the green card, and really that's kind of the the, the fast lane pass. Is, ah, pay a fee and get your green card. And, Mom, I mean, you didn't speak a word of English until you, you met Dad and learned it to to marry, who we'll get to in a second. We have a whole litany of problems with Dad and you making that decision. But um, how do you feel about people coming here, and you, you moved to Texas now, where a lot of people don't even speak English. Um, I've seen you react to that. What, what does that mm-hmm. do to you? Well, um, I feel that um, as an immigrant myself, my first language was French, and I had to learn, you know, to speak English, which is fine, because I think everyone should. If you're going to immigrate to a country, you should learn the language, you know, uh, where you're going to live. And uh, for me... To be uh, going to a restaurant or anywhere and already speaking my second language and not being able to be met in the second language I have to learn is really, uh, um, you know, uh, it's very frustrated for me, you know, because um, it's not right. I think that if people are going to immigrate, you know, and people are going to hire those people here, they should be able to speak English, to have at least a base to understand what you're saying, you know? know? It's funny, Mom. I've never really thought of it before. Honestly, we've talked about this until we were on air. It's true. You've learned a second language, and you're asking really to be met in a language that isn't your strongest language to begin with. It'd be like Fundipperei going to Germany and learning German and then also being asked to speak Portuguese. Hey, but at at least I can speak Klingon. Oh, gosh. Oh, stop it. Stop it. You're, my mother's never going to come back. This is a nice lady, Fun Dip, <laughs> causing problems. Sorry, I apologize for him, Mom. But that's true. You know, I never thought of that. You've learned another language, and it's not like you're asking them to learn French. You just want to, them to meet you in the middle. And that's, that was a lot of work for you to learn English. I mean, you still work on it. I still work on it, you know, and I think it's just... Um, it, like I said, it, it makes me very mad because I, I don't think, again, that it's fair that that people are coming here. I don't think it's fair even that people are employing people that are not, you know, bilingual. I mean, this is, you know, uh, uh, Texas, America. Anywhere you go, you should be able, English should be the first language. And if you decide to emigrate here, you should learn that language, you know, that that's just the way I feel. And I can say that, and it's not because I'm a racist or have any problem. I could say that because I've been through this myself, and I've learned the language, so I don't see why anyone else cannot do the same thing. Well, you're right, Mom. They will say that that is racist and uh, that it is ethnocentric, but you know what? 
I think our audience has learned a lot, and we want to keep you after the break and maybe even have Dad on and talk about immigrating to Canada. So thanks, Mom. Love you. And we're going to have you on after this break. Lotta with Crowder. Stay tuned. You're listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham! Talk 1600. So we are back with probably my favorite guest that we've had on the show thus far, um, Mama, Mom Crowder. <laughs> Mom, thanks for staying with us. No problem. Oh, you sound good now. Now you're on a landline. It sounds nice and crisp. So, Mom, you mentioned something kind of in passing before the break that you felt the need to say when discussing immigration, that I'm not saying this because I'm racist. Why did you feel the need to clarify that? Why did you think that needed to be said? Well, I, I, I just feel because sometimes people are, are quick to say stuff like that. But the fact is, I'm an immigrant, too. So, um, and I've learned the language. So I could, I could say that. It would be harder for an American that just speak English and not had to do that. But in my case, no one can accuse me of that. That's why I wanted to clarify that, because I am an immigrant from Canada. I am French-Canadian. I've learned English, you know, so I could function here in the U.S. And I think the the least uh, that uh, uh, any place I go they could do is meet me in the language of the country, you know. I shouldn't have to learn a third language, you know, or someone not to understand me if I order uh, whatever it is, a number one without... uh, uh, mushroom, you know, then people are all confused. <laughs> By the way, number one without mushrooms, what she's saying there is all, all dress is what they call it, all dressed pizza, and that's a French Canadian term. I, when I came to the States, I didn't realize it wasn't a thing. M- Mom, what's on an all dressed pizza in Montreal? In Montreal, it's pepperoni, green pepper, and mushroom. That's an all dressed pizza. That's an all dressed pizza. That's number one. So, fun dip. Anytime you go to Montreal, you say number one, that's their all dressed pizza. I can't handle the green peppers, though. They put me out of commission for a week. Green peppers? You just drank a pot of coffee. Yeah, but for some reason, green peppers upset my stomach horribly, which is a drag because I love them. God forbid you eat a vegetable. How about the red or the yellow one? The the yellow ones are fine, but uh, my favorite vegetables on pizza, I love to put broccoli on pizza, and I love a lot of basil, and I love spinach. Okay. Oh, that sounds good, too. Oh, yeah. That sounds really Drenched good. Drenched in pepperoni over the top Mom, of it. Mom, we need to have Fun Dip over sometime for, he needs to come to Texas and have a French-Canadian meal, because you have no, you have no idea, Fun Dip, quantity You're of not food. giving me escargot, buddy. That's not French-Canadian. You know, <laughs> do you know what poutine is? Oh, yeah. That's French-Canadian. I French want Canadian. some of that. Yeah, that's French-Canadian. The mm. quantities are huge. Oh, but, yeah. Okay, we're, we can go now, off on food. Now, is, your, is yours better than that at PFK? Oh, a PFK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> PFK. Uh, the Putin is the best in, in, in Montreal, Quebec. Oh, I yeah. Mean, this is where it comes from. But you know what we need to do, Stephen, is tortillas for him. Like oh, around yeah. the holiday. That's something that's tortillas very, very is, uh, It's basically meat pie fun dip, only with specific seasonings like clove and stuff that they do. Oh, yeah. in fr- It's like a Christmas meat pie. So picture like a, a Christmas spice sort of latte. That flavoring, not the sweetness, but that flavoring in a meat pie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. We could, if we could ship one to you, my mom makes tons of those. So, in, sure around do. the holidays. But, mom, you know, it's funny. You talk about that. 
Is it a little weird to you coming from Quebec where they're so intolerant of people who don't learn French? I mean, of people who aren't bilingual, right? The French-Canadian government, the Parti Québécois, if you don't learn French, it's, you know, get the hell out. They don't want you there. And then here in this country, you have to walk on eggshells just to say, hey, I'd prefer it if you came here legally due to fear of being called a racist. I mean— that's got to be weird for you because I know there's not a racist bone in your body. No, no, absolutely not. But, but and, and, and I'm just saying that because that's what they would say. But see, that doesn't work because I couldn't be a racist and being an immigrant myself, you know, right. speaking, you know, already the language. It, it just, it just, uh, I just can't get my head around that, and I don't understand why people hire people that doesn't. That are not at least fluent at, at their job and what they're going to do, you know, right. because it's just a must to well, me. Well, and know? now all of them are going to get green cards faster than you were ever able to. Well, mom. Oh, yeah. Three months waiting for, for mine right now. I, you told, know? I told you, Fund It. My mom was going to be shy and nervous to come on, and then you can't get her to stop. Totally not shy. <laughs> totally not shy. She's French. I was telling Fund It, you should hear, you know, if you think like my cousin Vinny, like the Gambinis, or, you know, Jewish Americans, they're big at the table, they're loud, you need to see a French Canadian Christmas table. It's just especially. It's absolutely crazy. Especially with the food you describe, I'm all about that. Oh, now. it's ama- you. You would be in heaven, fund it. But um, if you, I if don't you think eat- we're fighting, if you'd be walking and and one of our dinner at that time, you would think, my gosh, what's going on with those people? They're all screaming, but we're just having fun and being just all excited about it. It's true. Know? Well, Mom, we love you. We want you back, but I know Dad is there, and I think it'd yes. be great if we could bring Darren Crowder on, because he lived in Quebec, and he had to yes. file his status as an immigrant there, so can you bring him on? Absolutely. Give me one second. Okay. Thanks, Mom. We love you. Appreciate you calling in. I love in. you, too, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Just one moment. Okay. So now, this is the dad that you talked about in the promo who's like, in his 50s and can beat up everybody in the world? This is the dad. Wow, I'm backing away Stop from this guy. Right now. Oh, jeez. I hear you're very tough. You're about to hear why opposites attract. Oh, okay. <laughs> <heard of me. laughs> Actually, I'm just calling in to talk to, to Fun Dip Dan, Stephen. I think you guys uh, make a great team over there. It's a lot of fun to listen well, to the show. Well, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And then you can kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody Only needs sport. to kick my butt. It always goes back to pizza, so let's try and keep this conversation somewhere on the on the, the track. So, so, Dad, you went to Quebec. We just had Mom kind of come and talk about moving to the States. And, and even then, it's, it's, it's relatively more straightforward than when you went to Quebec, because Quebec is a province in an English country, Canada. But they have French language laws. So right. you had to learn French, but what was that like, getting a temporary status in, in Quebec? I mean, how harsh were they? Well, when we got married, you know, she came stateside, as she said, and then we flipped it. We went back. And at that point, you guys were already pretty uh, pretty bilingual, really. As you said, French was your first language. Um, now, for me, it was a little bit different, and then it was more of a political thing up there. You know, the, the, the French wanted to legislate culture. Right. And it's not Canada. It's totally different than the rest of Canada. It's com- and they're, they're given special rights to do that with immigrants so they can control it. But uh, it was tough for me because uh, it, it was it was easier for me, if that makes any sense. American culture is so strong that I would cheat. I'd listen to American radio and television <laughs> and, and read English papers, whereas your mother had no choice. She was immersed right away. Right. So the way it worked for That's me was at one point when she said, you got to give up, you got to close the door on a lot of this stuff, and I stopped listening to it. And um, in quick order, your, your brain clicks over and you start 
being able to handle the new language and stop translating in your head. So people can do it. You know, she, she really did it in a week of all-out immersion and then practicing. Uh, it took me a lot longer. I'm a little thicker. <laughs> I remember talking to an exchange student when I was in high school, and he said, yeah, he had gotten to the point where he was thinking in English. He was from Japan. Mm-hmm. And at one point we wanted to send a videotape to his mom, Okasa, and uh, and say to her, you know, hello and greetings and so forth. So we were sitting next to him, and he was trying to translate to his mother. And we'd say, well, hi, uh, Yasuhiro's mom. We're really glad to have your son here. And then he just said, hi, mom. Uh, we're really glad to have your son here. And he was he couldn't remember how to say it in Japanese anymore. She thought it was a hostage taking. <laughs> we, we've brainwashed your son. Well, what's funny, Dad? You notice uh, you notice Fundip just pulled a Steven Seagal, and he goes from English straight into a perfect Japanese accent. Okasa. He can't say it the American way. Moshi moshi, Yuchi san no otaku desu ka? You ever see? Hi, you, ever... you bring you bring a great shame. <laughs> you bring a great shame with your English. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is, have you ever heard Steven Seagal? Funny, my dad hates Steven Seagal. He'll go off. He'll I think s- I saw him once on Friends. He'll be sitting there. I'll be talking. You know, when I uh, try to train my uh, apprentice Machita san, and you're like, <laughs> oh gosh, just shut up, Steven Seagal. I want to punch you in your gut, Dad. Yeah. Okay, uh, sorry, this took a weird turn. So, Quebec, for you, you did. You learned French. Did you Did you immerse yourself in French-Canadian culture, or did you try and sort of shake it off of you? <laughs> well, that was the challenge, because, you know, American standard English is fun dip, so perfectly speaks to do the news. That That is, that's universal, right? Right. Uh, French-Canadian is a little different than what they had, what I had learned in high school, so there wasn't a lot of crossover. You really have to learn by immersing yourself in the culture. And no, I, I wanted to be able to speak with the locals. And yeah, I'd read the Journal de Montréal and read the, the Montreal Canadiens' uh, highlights from the, the night before, that kind of thing, right. in, a, in something that I, where I had some interest. So I learned to read. And that, that's a transferable skill. Right. But the, the immigration process was, was really, um, really, really a weird thing. Your, your mom had to guarantee that I wouldn't be a drag on the state. She had to sign papers that... Hey, I'm wow. sponsoring him, and 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 I'm uh, making sure that he won't. Uh, he's not here to be on the dole, and they were real clear about that. You know, it's funny. It's kind of a big irony, right? That it's really a socialist province. You're talking about socialized health care. You're talking about fifty-one, fifty-two percent income tax. The marginal tax rates are even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they were really concerned about immigrants coming in and, like you said, being a leech on the province. So they were the one area they were more conservative than even the United States, and it's a socialist province, was immigration. No, you're exactly right. Well, they really threw the doors open to uh, anybody who had a French mother tongue. So people from Haiti and people from a lot of African countries were, you know, they were French uh, colonials. They they were flooding into Quebec. So they had to, uh, uh-oh, what have we done now? We we may because have a drain on our, our system, so they, they tried to <laughs> because French, hurt a little bit. The French, the fun to, French Canadians can be the most racist people on the planet. <laughs> My dad and I talk about like, oh, oh, call this the Haitian, they come now, we have to get rid of those guys. <laughs> oh, man. It's true, Dad, we've talked about that. Uh, I mean, Mom grew up in a family where, you know, we had Sophie, we had adopted uh, black children, so it was very different. But French Canadians, I mean... It, until, like you said, the language laws encouraged sort of these these uh, French colony mm-hmm. people from French colonies coming in. It was a very homogenized culture. It's not like America. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, one thing people don't understand in comparing crime statistics or, or different, you know, like, like infant mortality rates, things like it's very difficult to compare such a melting pot with so many different ethnicities in the states versus a place that doesn't have that color palette like Quebec. I mean, Quebec was very white for a long time. No, you're exa- you're exactly right, and 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 no matter what you do to to meet them halfway, there's still that pure land or pure wool philosophy where right. you know if your tribe isn't isn't French from way back, you're not part of the you know the cool kids table. And we always talk about the uh, fun dip about one of Stephen's friends, who has a French last name, living in a French province, speaks no French. Think about how horrible that can oh, be every man. time you're greeted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Hey, Miss. Hey, Mister. Oh, uh, Monsieur Cormier, you want. I don't. I don't speak French. I, I don't. Well, the problem is you'll have people who just won't serve you either. There, if you don't speak French, it's not like here where they're concerned about what's. And that's funny because they have hate speech laws, but French Canadians do not pay any mind to political correctness when it comes to hating English people. <laughs> they're very open about it. But uh, we are going to go. Appreciate the effort, though. That's for sure. Right. We appreciate the effort. We are going to go to break. Thank you so much, Dad and Mom. We love you. You can find my dad nowhere because he hates social media. But thank you for being on the show. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it. All right. We'll be back. Close this out with more louder with Crowder after the break. You're listening to Louder with Crowder on Wham Talk sixteen hundred. Fundip's just looking for an excuse to make animal sounds. That's what I do. That's because you're a sexy beast. Yes. Work it. Work it. Oh, yeah. You love it. Oh, gosh, we only have a few minutes left. It's amazing how fast these shows go by sometimes. You know, I, I envy you being able to be fully versed in French because you don't have to watch Amelie with the subtitles on. Did you like Amelie? Oh, it's one of my favorite films in the entire world. It's just weird sometimes how the sex scenes and that just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah, they're very random. and They're very there's, random. There's like just two of them, which means I can't show it to my kid until he's 13 or 14. Right. Which is a drag because it's a very cute and a very sweet film other than like random boom, whoa, what's that? And then it's gone. Right, I know. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that people don't really – we just had my mom on, immigrant from French Canada, talking about immigration, which I think actually offered a lot of insight. If you missed it, you can download the podcast at louderwithcrowder.com or just subscribe on iTunes. For those of you listening or if you want to share this, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. You automatically get it to your phone. You can play this show with you wherever you want. And also, actually, fewer commercials on the, uh, the digital version after the show. Well, that's a shame because you, cause you get to miss out on all the great commercials that I make for us. Well, yeah, that's true. You do make some good commercials. But for them, on their phone, you know, they can kind of get through it a little more quickly where you don't have to listen to all of the, the diatribes. But it's funny, the rating system in Quebec, the film rating system, like Amélie would be a G. Um, films like Jerry Maguire, G. Films with lots of overtly sexual content can still get a G. If one gun is fired, it's a PG-13. Oh, interesting. Horrible, if you think about it. I mean, it's just, it's just terrible because they, they, they're basically saying any profanity, any sex, is, is, it has to be really profane and borderline porn. I mean, American History X only got a, a 16, PG-16. Uh, not American History X, um, 
American Psycho. Oh, okay. Remember yeah. that was the first like big NC-17 film in the States? Yeah. It, it was a PG-16 in Quebec. It wasn't even an R. Their rating system is really, really different. And there was there. a lot of violence in that. There was. And it, pretty much any violence guarantees a PG-14 or a PG-16, but you'd have to have like pornography for it to be PG, even PG-16 uh, in a film. They don't rate for it. I mean, if, did you ever see Jerry Maguire? Years ago. Well, there's a pretty graphic sex scene in there, and I remember seeing that when I was a kid because my parents took me. It was rated G. And I didn't want to go because I knew, you know, all the, the kids in the schoolyard who had seen it. There's a sex scene in Jerry Maguire. I was like, I, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it with my parents there. <laughs> so I remember complaining. I'm like, I don't want to go see Jerry Maguire. I don't want to go to this. And the, they grounded me <laughs> for being too bossy. <laughs> like, you're going to go see Jerry Maguire and like it. I'm like, I don't. Can we go see? You know, what it was Fern now, Gully. Now, was it, was it dubbed or subtitled or? Well, you know, yeah, that's the thing. In, in yeah. Canada, you... Um, you can do either or. You know, some theaters are entirely French, where it's actually dubbed. And then where we lived in the South Shore, there were a lot of English theaters. So you'd have the films in English, and you'd have half English, half French. So if it, it was an 18 theater, you know, cinema, you'd probably have about eight English, eight French. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it is a weird split culture that Americans can't really understand. And that's why, I mean, the problem here is it's an English country. And then due to multiculturalism, Quebec as a province have been given way too many sovereign rights that they don't deserve. You shouldn't be able to force people in a province to speak French, to learn French, to go to French schools. I loved it, though, as a, as a kid going and having vacations there. Because, oh, yeah, because I had never been to actual France or anything like that. Right. So I could kind of get a feeling of what it was like to go to a foreign country because going to Windsor and going every place else it didn't feel foreign to me it just felt like more Michigan right but that really felt cool going to Quebec oh yeah if you, did you ever go to Montreal proper? oh yeah yeah, yeah we I mean Montreal to... you go to the old port it's like it's like going to London it's like going to to Paris you know you have the cobblestone streets yeah really cool. old architecture I always tell people it is a great place to visit, you know, to live when you have a socialized healthcare system. And, I mean, you have people who are dying because they need health care, to live when you have 52% income tax, to live when you have a 15% sales tax, to live under socialism is, is very oppressive. And I feel like with Canada and specifically Quebec, people who leave, they have one of two attitudes. They have either um, – it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. They've either become entirely satisfied in the complacency and the security of being reliant on government, of having government provide health care, of having government sort of take care of their housing, of having high taxes because it provides security, this idea of a social safety net. You have some people who find comfort in that. And then you have people like my mom or myself who come to America, experience true freedom – and we just find the socialism oppressive, and we can't stand it, and so we campaign against it to say there's a better way. So those are two real—there generally isn't one in the middle. It's one of those two views, either complete comfort in your lack of freedom or a, a really strong opposition to it. It's like being fully swaddled or being able to just walk around. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. <sighs> Well, hmm. that's one thing I have noticed with Canadians. You'll have Canadians who come here and go, oh, I have to pay for health care, and oh, and I have to, you know, and I don't get my pension, and blah. And then you have people who come here and go, oh, my God, I can start a business. Oh, my, you know, oh, my God, I can't believe how little I'm paying in taxes. Oh, my God, I employ five people now. So you do see that with immigration. And it ultimately is kind of ironic where people now are saying that conservatives are racist, right? Republicans are racist. 
And what's funny is, you know, this is the last sort of bastion of actual conservatism, the United States. There really aren't conservatives elsewhere. You have conservatives in the UK or even Canada. They're not the same kind of conservatives as here in the States. But even in places like Canada, Mexico, Sweden, Norway, other countries that are very, very liberal, it's not considered conservative or Republican at all to believe in borders and to make immigration uh, a lengthy process. Even in a place like Quebec, we just talked about, where it's socialism, they want to make sure you're not coming into that country to be a drain, to take welfare, to use health care services. The same thing if you go to places like Germany. If you look at the Mexican immigration laws, I, I don't even think you can own waterfront property if you're not a natural-born Mexican citizen. So this idea that's painted in the States, it's really exclusive to the United States where they say that conservatives are racist because they believe in a strong national border. Everywhere else in the world, and I'm talking about super liberal, socialized countries, borderline uh, communist countries, certainly socialist countries, they believe in strong national borders, they have stronger immigration policies, and they would never grant amnesty, not because they're Republican, not because they're conservative, but of course, because of course you would need national borders. Of course, you need to have a strong country with national borders because otherwise you have no country. So that's a real narrative that you folks need to understand. They're trying to set, oh, you only support national borders because you're conservative. No, you support national borders and immigration legally because of course. You crunch for time looking for that perfect Christmas gift. Listen, nobody needs pajama grams or socks. Send them a gift they'd actually like. A nice bottle of wine would be nice, but sometimes that's complicated. That's where Simplified Wine comes in. Just call 844-297-WINE, where a sommelier will take your information, budget, and they will deliver stellar, beautifully packaged wine right to their door. I took care of all my relatives, friends, business associates with just one phone call. Really, it is that simple. By the way, they also have a price match guarantee, so it's not only the easiest way to send a great gift, but the least expensive. All you need to do is call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE and they take care of the rest. Don't like phone calls? Just go to SimplifiedWine.com and hit the Simplify button. Call Simplified Wine at 844-297-WINE to have the best wine at the best price delivered straight to their door. Guaranteed. What could possibly be simpler? Call Simplified Wine today. 844-297-WINE. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com.